Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please support the show by subscribing to and leaving a five-star rating for the show on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and any of your favorite podcast platforms. You can also support the show by going to our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, where there's always exciting articles by the BNG writing staff. While you're there, don't forget to click on the fanatics.com banner for a great sports fan shopping experience. Are you, are you done yet? We're going to start the show. Mm-hmm. fans welcome back to the black and gold hockey podcast and if you're a new listener we certainly appreciate the support and, and checking us out we i think we bring a, a pretty cool bruins perspective as as fans and if you're a long time listener we always continue this continue support so um with that being said i wish we were we were talking about better times but um uh, you know last week we left with the the uh, the thought of the Bruins getting back in the series and, and and really and really you know giving it to the Lightning, but unfortunately that did not happen. So uh, we will welcome in Heather Ingerson, my co-host. Heather, how's it going? Going all right. I was trying to be positive, but now you depress me again. I thought we were going to wait a few minutes so we got into the sad parts. But yeah, it's, it's, ha- what, happy Labor Day! Yes, happy, happy Labor, Labor, Labor Day, Day. All the listeners and supporters out there in the world. Hope you had a good one. Uh, and if you're in Canada, we still love you, even if you don't have Labor Day. So, <laughs> I think they do celebrate Labor Day today. I don't know. We don't celebrate Thanksgiving the same. No, time. that's October and yeah, we do Thanks, Columbus yeah. Day. They do that, but no. It's Labor Day weekend. Can't be too bad. Obviously, um, 
sad that the Bruins are out, but it is what it is. Can't win all the time. And uh, like I said later, I think I'm going to ask you, like, because I have a theory. I don't think Tampa outplayed us. I think we beat ourselves, but that's just me. Uh, I don't know. It's been a good week, except for I've learned that I don't really like a lot of other, uh, like, part of the reason I haven't been on social media is I don't like other people a lot. And, like, I'm all for, like, listening to people comment, but I definitely made probably, like, had some fights with people this week, unfollowed a few people. Like, I can't. Like, if you're, you are not a Bruins fan. If you can be disappointed, you can be mad, you can bitch, you complain that we are Bostonian fans, okay? But you don't get to trash your team for 48 hours like it's a dumpster fire after we were the best team all goddamn year. And sure, wasn't the best playoff, not the way we all thought it'd roll out, but you are not a fan if you do that. So we're going to get into a whole thing about that later. Of like, how about I vote you all off the... An island. Okay. <laughs> uh, yes. How is your Labor Day weekend so far, my friend? You good. Week? Good. Um, it started off on Thursday with uh, a nice dinner at the Blue Moon Cafe in uh, Amesbury, Massachusetts, right along the mighty Powwow River. Um, so we had a good time there, and uh, and then all of a sudden I go into work, work one day, and then out, and then a nice three day weekend, and it's been nice. It's been nice to have the time off and so on, but. Good to be back talking hockey, you know, so. Whose birthday was it? My dad's. My dad's yes. birthday. That's what we went out celebrating. So, yeah, I totally, totally forgot to say that. Happy um, birthday, Mr. Arred, who yes. I can't call Mark, even though your name's Mark, too, because Mark's my friend and Mr. Arred is my dad's, my friend's dad. Yeah. <laughs> and, my, uh, and my teacher. He's uh, he's doing good. And, um, yeah, so it was well, good to see him. Happy birthday. It was the first time I saw him since, uh, I think, February. Yeah. So this whole stupid COVID thing, but anyway, well, yeah. like he's not old, but you know he is in the older demographic that yes. they say don't you know yes. it sucks like everyone else. But I'm glad you guys got to have dinner all together and uh, yay, happy birthday, Mister Arred. Absolutely, Moxinia. Um, before we uh, get started, um, I do want to say uh, rest in peace to the um, Yaroslav locomotive team in the KHL. That uh, t- uh, tragic, tragic uh, plane crash. Uh, was it nine years ago, Heather? Yeah, I think it's the ninth anniversary yeah. on the 11th. And so we happen to be recording on the uh, the the day of um, of when that happened. So we want to give shout outs to the family and friends of those lost um, in that in that in team accident that killed. I think every all of them or just but one. Well, it was pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. there might have been one survivor, but it was definitely. Yeah. And so, uh, the, all ten teams are wearing. Uh, ribbons commemorative ribbons to honor tonight and yeah that was there's been a few really bad like hockey tragedies for teams in the last few years and that's certainly one of the most yeah humble and so on jesus our hearts with the khl and their fan and like you said the family and uh teammates and you know just meaning like overall lifelong teammates and friends that these people um left behind uh of no fault of their own except for a horrific accident that you know sometimes Two minutes can change your lives and certainly did there. So hearts to you guys. Absolutely. Um, I do want to mention show sponsor, betonline.ag. Hockey's on. The playoffs are continuing. Everybody is now in the Edmonton bubble getting ready for the conference finals and the Stanley Cup finals. So, and baseball is going on. Golf's going on. There's a lot of sports that are coming back. But the wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be a... You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at betonline.ag. 
BetOnline.ag is going to the, the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season from game spreads to totals to team players and coaching props. BetOnline.ag gives you more options to wager than any other place online. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering to win division and championship futures today. Head over to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. And please use code CLNS50. That's CLNS50. Betonline.ag, your online wagering experts. So, I, sh- I should insert some uh, some pretty depressing like music right now. But uh... do do do. What's actually? It's more like um. You should put the Halloween music. It's like it was like a slow lurking, just Michael Myers. You can run, but the slow guy will catch up to you. All right. Well, before we get into anything, let's just recap game five, our last game of the year. Like Mark said, of course, we go into a positive because we are those kind of fans and we can be very negative. We're not going to pretend like we're not. Right. (laughs) But. We are not our team's a dumpster fire fans. We'll call them on it when they're like a dumpster fire. But overall, we're not like a hate this team. Uh, but Monday, 31st, uh, and before I just quickly go with thing, it was funny. I saw on Twitter someone had posted something about the Islanders. I've been a diehard fan since August 31st or whatever. It was like one of the people in like the Bruins Twitter. Like, well, it was just so funny. I just thought that was hilarious. But Anyways, on Monday, in what I will say before, I do think was a valid effort to try and get back in the game. You know what I mean? That, And we even talked about game four wasn't the most horrendous game. Do you know what I mean? Just not as much bark as they should have had, uh, whatever. But we end up losing three to two in a double overtime. Of course, we lost in the double overtime. They, like, these are the times when I'm like, oh, man, can't we just have the shootout and get this done with? No, I'm just kidding. I was like, yeah, buddy, we're going to OT. Uh, but we started off, it was a very tight game. Like, the first period was the kind of game that you expect when Boston and Tampa are playing each other. That's at least my, you know, own opinion. Uh, then, of course, shock of shock, Andre Palat scored a goal against us because, again, why make sure that he's covered and potentially not doing that? But David Pasternak came back in the second period also to tie it up. Uh, I mean, what am I doing? Uh, to make it that. Then we went to the third. Um, Anthony Sorelli, who I don't love the way other people do, but is a good person. You know what I mean? He's a good player. I'm not pretending like he didn't. He scored, and then Krejci scored, and then everything was good, and then we got through a whole one overtime. I was like, oh, my God, this is it. We're going to win. Because the Bruins, usually, the longer a game goes, the more likely they are to just stamina through it. But as we know, this team's stamina was shot, and... I guess if I have to have it happen, I'm glad that Palat did not score again and Victor Hedman being Victor Hedman did. Do you know what I mean? So, uh, yep, that was it. Uh, Tampa, I'm, I'm, I do personally think, uh, and we're going to talk about the series after you do the burn of sports or whatever, uh, but I think at least as for that game specific, I think they looked a lot more like themselves and had that been a little more what happened in game four, they would have gone probably seven games. You know, like the... That was the Bruins' biggest problem, I think, just in the postseason is one minute they looked like the Bruins and the next minute they did not. And uh, I do have to say the Monday game, I felt like the pace of it was kind of weird. Like it wasn't fast-paced, which you would think was some of the skaters that were on the ice. It was very, very tight checks. Like they were feeling each other out, didn't want to make a mistake, you know, so. 
Um, well, yeah, and it reminds me of like kind of the heavy hockey. You like, and when I say heavy hockey, I don't mean like big player hockey. But like when we were kids, hockey was like slow and methodical. It was not a fast paced game. It was like, you know, and that's what I felt like the last few games of that series was more like. Which I think is funny because they are two teams that have modern components, not just. Kind of, but I was like, damn, I feel like we're watching a game from 1992. What is going on? It's like a sl- like you said, very tight. No one wants to make a mistake, kind of thing. But. That's that. That was the last game. I'd like to point out David David Krejci was still one of the stars of the game. And as much as people have been crapping on him this week, uh, he's been one of the stars of the game, according to whatever stupid stats here. Uh, Do we want to, does anybody care? Uh, We outshot them a lot. They won more faceoffs. We were only one for four for the power play, a chronic issue. Like we said, we're a power play team. That's why we lost in the playoffs more than one of the major reasons we lost is we couldn't capitalize a lot more of couldn't get it near there. But I'm happy to report that Tampa also could not get the puck in the net as easy in game five. So that was, again, things look good. Again, it, not a total dumpster fire. Uh, even on the penalties, although there was some BS penalties not called <laughs> times throughout this series, or ones that were called, like I said, I still don't know what the standard is. Like, apparently we can smash people in the head, and it's not, I, I don't know what the the rules are. Uh, but still a lot of giveaways, which ended up, you know, leading in the end. They wore us down. But that's the series, 4-1. At least we didn't get swept. Yeah, that's true. I'm, I'm so happy for that. Uh, another thing that I'm very happy about is our new segment sponsor, Burner Sports. Uh, Good news, sports are back. Burner Sports is an entirely new way for you to win big while being able to cheer on your favorite teams and players. Go to BurnerSports.com and sign up now to choose from their customized contest and win cash, prizes, tickets, and more. Burner Sports is a new and exciting way for you to engage with your favorite Boston sports teams. Burner Sports offers free daily contests where you can win cash and other awesome prizes simply by answering questions and making predictions about your favorite hometown teams. Sign up today at BurnerSports.com and give them a follow on at Facebook at BurnerSportsFantasy and on Instagram at BurnerSports. Um, with hockey, you know, obviously the Bruins are out, so you can't go to BurnerSports anymore. But you can still go there and and do their upcoming football. I believe this is week one. I'm not a football guy here. Next next week's week one. Okay, so next week week one. Get on to Burner Sports. You have a whole week, whole week to sign up and, and check it out. Uh, it, it's 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 very. It's, it, I think it's really cool because it gives you so many options to like go through the game and, and predict on what is going to happen with ten questions. It's very easy. The, uh, I believe the four or five categories each, so it's very fast. And it's it's a lot of fun. So and I've done it several times. I signed up for an account. It's all free over there. You don't have to you don't have to pay anything. They pay you. So go check it out. And I, th- I think it's a lot of fun. And uh, it's an up and coming uh, fantasy sports uh, website. And they reached out for us to to help get the word out. So that's what we're gonna do. And, and we're I'm I'm happy to work with them. So um, there is gonna be this is gonna be the segment sponsor. So once we get certain segments, we're gonna be taking some time. Uh, this offseason, uh, particularly the Bruins offseason, not the hockey offseason, but uh, to to revamp what we're doing over here at the uh, Black and Gold Productions Company. And um, so this is going to be one of them, too. We're going to start putting things in order and segments, and we're going to have uh, sponsors for guests. We're going to get more guests and so on. So we're really t- trying to take this to a higher level for our listeners. So I'm excited. I hope you watch it. Oh, yeah. 
I am too. I was going to say, just to be clear though, even though it's the off season, Mark and I aren't disappearing into the world. There may be some adjustments as we, you know what I mean? But we're still going to be thing, but. Yeah, like this said, is technically before the next hockey season. This is technically the last episode of the 2019-20 uh, campaign. So next week we'll start a brand new season. It'll be the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast fifth year. Very excited about that. So, and we're we're almost at uh, episode two hundred, mm-hmm. and I think I was hoping. Yeah, I kind of think that it'll all be in line with the end of the, the Stanley Cup playoffs that will hit 200 right there, and we'll start a, a brand new season off fresh and uh, hopefully with a new look and new attitude. And, you know, we're coming. We're coming to yeah. get you. Who knows what's going to happen. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, I guess, before thing. Um, that being said, right right now, we uh, tonight, uh, Eastern Conference final starts, right? Tampa versus the Islanders. I am not hiring the Islanders. I think I had posted the the other day i woke up and now i have to cheer for philly like this week sucks okay so i'm we're gonna be i'm not an islanders person we're gonna be frenemies we're gonna be frenemies this week that's fine no like and it doesn't matter because our team's boston and but this is what happens right you still if you're a hockey fan you want to try and see through um my bracket was a big giant bag of uh rocky mountain oysters this year so (laughs) the funny thing is i blew it out of the water in the round robin but yeah then things i mean the second round fell apart, let's yeah. just say, on me. <laughs> I didn't even uh, do a bracket this said, year. I would like to personally give out a shout-out to uh, Anton Hudobin, mm. who had himself a first career uh, playoff shout-out at the age of 35 or whatever, 34. and uh, What a way to stop the conference finals, man. Yeah, Vegas versus Dallas. I saw someone at the beach with a Vegas Golden Knights hat on, so I said, good luck versus Dallas, and they looked confused about what I was talking about. Get that hat off. Why do you wonder, have that hat off? I wonder if it was my friend McLovin from over at TopSoftHockey.net. It definitely <laughs> wasn't. It was like a 52-year-old woman. It was not. I'm pretty sure I would have been like, hey, I'm Justin McLovin. I'm in Okay, can, just, can the Viking come say hi real quick? What up? Say hello. Happy What's Labor up, Day. Eric? Okay, I'm going to go maybe on a trail walk with Dad. No, it'll be decided to do it tomorrow because oh. I want to stay here. <laughs> okay, well, you can't stay in here, buddy, okay, because me and Mark are going to do the podcast. But love you. Say bye, Mark. Bye. Bye, buddy. <laughs> Take care, big guy. Have a good walk. Bye. Make sure you shut that door all the way, okay? Mm-hmm. I don't know where Barry is. He's supposed to be making sure he's <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's part of your shield. All right. Bye, bug. He wasn't happy when he woke up, and I was like, "Yeah, we lost." He's like, "Ugh." <laughs> well, this poor kid—he just became really like conscientious of these things. And then last year, we lost the Stanley Cup, so his first Bruins memory is us <laughs> dropping Game Seven, and he really was into it too. He made signs, and his, right. And then this year, you know, whatever, and we had to have the discussion about sometimes you lose. Not everybody can win, you know. Right. So eventually. Three of the next, three of the last four teams will lose two, and only one person will be able to be the winner. And this year, that ain't gonna be one of us. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, burner sports, do it. I already kind of did my anger rant, which was what we had next down about how I'm not not talking about the Bruins fans. I I respect that there needs to be a real conversation about where this team is going. I'm talking about like. Please stay off of Twitter and just call the 98.5 two to four show if you want to be a nah, 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 nah. okay. Uh, again, if you're a local, you know exactly what I'm talking about. 
I'm not going to pretend like I don't listen to the radio. Again, I think I mentioned a couple weeks ago, we have um, real sports radio and kind of like celebrity Jerry Springer type uh, sports radio. And they're mixed. Bullshit, you know, like one's probably more than the other, but they're kind of mixed together. There are certain shows that you know you're getting like what you're your lineup's going to be, but uh, yeah, I'm talking about those fans, those fans who, even though we've won one cup, I mean, I'm 42 and we've only won one cup in my lifetime and act like, we, you know, I mean, we're not, okay, if Pitts, Pittsburgh was mad too, they went out in the first one, get over it, okay, <laughs> but to trash your team like that, like, you're not a fan, it's one thing, again, to be concerned and want to have legit conversations, Is and we're going to do with that, right, is Chara coming back, the long goodbye of this core and this team that we've known for over a decade now, whatever, all of that. But Jesus, oh, like for me, defense, defense did suck. But why is no one calling out the forwards for making defense's job harder by playing absolutely no defense? Yeah. You know, what? just things like that. There's a difference between being a concerned fan and wanting to let it get off your chest. But after 48 hours, you're a psycho. Leave the fan base. I vote you off the island. I don't want to hear you. You're giving me a headache. I can hear this from sportscasters in Boston on Boston Sports Radio all day long. You know what I mean? So I don't think I like other Bruins fans. Is that a... <laughs> no, is no it's, it's... Am it's, I wrong? Was no, Bruins, Bruins Twitter it can be a dumpster fire. It's very reactionary. Uh, shoot from the hip when things happen. But, you know, I mean, this particular year for me, Heather, I got to be honest, it's just, it's so unorthodox to me. Yeah. It's just like, I'm, I was happy, I was thrilled that hockey came back and they made an attempt to, you know, to, to salvage some of the future when it comes to the business side of it. But this year was just, for me, it was just like, I'm happy, but I'm just like, I don't know what to really think of it, so... I'm giving 2020 a pass. I just I just want to go into 2021 season with a whole new level and a whole new you know perspective and start over because I'm just you know it's just, it's not about the hockey. It's just the whole year in general. So it's not just me. There were the, and I get I'm new to social media for a reason because I have a big mouth and I don't want to listen to everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but so it's not just me. Given the circumstances of everything. People may have, I thought people went off the ledge harder than they did when we lost game seven last year. And that's weird to me because I think it's strange. And it's not an excuse. You know, I'm not an excuse fan. I'm, I'm all for like real introspection on what's wrong with going on with the team. But you have to look at what's wrong with the team in this weird bubble year. You were on fucking fire. Excuse my language. I'm trying to not F bomb it, but you were on fire. Everything stopped. You got back. You couldn't light the fire under your ass again. And that versus the team being a horrible team and so poorly built, like no guy, you won the president's truth. And I don't care what anybody says. Tampa's the best team. Tampa might be the best team in the league. And as I will, we will talk about when we talk about the series, I would argue Tampa is not as good. A, like if everyone's going to start going like again, maybe led by the 98.5 and all the people who think the way they do. Um, uh, has this team really been that overrated? Cause they haven't. And I agree with you. The championship is the goal, right? But I don't think you can... Un there are many great players that never won Stanley Cups or more than one or whatever. There are many teams that were well-built that did not go the distance like they should have. Tampa Bay, I would argue, in the last 10 years has been one of them. They have had a heavy payload. I mean, when did they get McDonough? I mean, he's... God, that must have been six or seven years ago. They snabbed him from New York and tried to... He was supposed to be the fix, this and that. Two or three. And 
great. They've had Hall of Fame, uh, Hall of Fame players coming out of there, right? And they've got one Stanley Cup, which I would argue actually they shouldn't have won because that was messed up in the Calgary, and I won't get into it, but Calgary Flames should have been the cup winners that year. I don't care. Uh, but this is my point. is like So it's not just me. Like People went off the ledge, maybe yeah, not separating kind welcome of. Welcome to Twitter, Heather. The dumpster fire that was the playoffs versus our team being a dumpster fire. No. Buffalo's team is a dumpster fire. Again, not with not good talent, but just their organization, right? So their organization's a dumpster fire, mainly from upper-level people, you know? Um, I'd be, argue, um, you know, things have fallen apart in some cities, like the Jets. Again, another place, there is some good talent, but just it's a dumpster fire. I don't feel the Bruins are a dumpster fire, and I would appreciate if everyone has reflective discussions about this team and not just, oh, my God. Like, I told you. They, 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 it's very reactionary fan base. You're going to get my this. Stuff from, yeah, half of my stuff. Well, the whole thing is I've been a Bruins fan my whole life. I know we're, like, crotchety and just everything. It's either cut by nothing. But I would like to say, first of all, this is a good life lesson for any Boston sports fan under the age of 20. This team used to never win championships, or they were the, I almost won this. So basically, like, for the Bruins, 2013 and 2019 or whatever, that is indicative to half of my life as a Bruins fan, okay? Just not finishing all the way, you know what I mean, kind of thing. So I think I have appreciated, and I'm not a Pats fan, but I appreciate, like, I remember when the Red Sox won that World Series. I went to Boston for the parade, not because I'm a Red Sox fan, but because I really wanted to see a Red Sox player with the pennant in their hand to be like, yeah, buddy, you brought one back to the city. And I was happy for Red Sox. You know what I mean? Because I've, you know, so that's just me. Can we maybe everyone not shoot from the hip and just burn? Like, if you want to burn that shit down, which I think you're insane to burn this team down, because although it could use some tweaking, it has been consistently one of the best teams in hockey in the for 15 years, mostly and have been one of the top eight teams. And the last 10 years, one of the top four or five teams in the league. So everyone calm the frig down. Oh, very there are a lot of teams that would die to have the dumpster fire. That's the Boston yeah. Bruins playoff, okay? Agreed. Like, I don't know, mm, Toronto, who didn't even make the playoffs in their own building. So just saying, that's my anger rant. If you don't want to be a real Bruins fan and be just like a psycho, like, like I'm not trying to have a bunch of Felgers on my team. I want those fans to exit stage left <laughs> and let the rest of us who do bleed black and gold, even when we're mad at them, right? I can be mad at you right now, but I love you, right? Hello, I was there, like, that was the day after game seven. I woke up and I was like, yeah, yeah, we really, really just dropped that game yesterday, you know? But that's my anger rant for, I don't want to not like, like, there are plenty of nice Bruins fans. Sandy every day posts a nice meme, something uplifting, something to think about, good way to start your day. I'm like, thanks. I try to hold on to that through the cruel world. I love, I just... All the dumpster fire fans, you're a dumpster fire. Get off my island. <laughs> Sorry. All, All right. right. So, so, should we talk about it? Should we talk about what went wrong with the series, Mark? Yeah. Well, you do have to get, definitely get into it. I mean, that's pretty much why I got up this morning to do is to talk about yeah, this. And and I think it, somewhere in the in the show agenda, we're gonna we're gonna discuss uh, some pieces that can be uh, looked at, uh, criticized, and um, and hopefully addressed moving forward. So. Uh, where are we going with that agenda as we so speak? So I, I kind of made big kind of agenda. It is the last. It's kind of like the wrap-up. I mean, I don't want to do the, let's review the whole entire season. We kicked ass, and then we came back and did not kick so much ass. But 
I thought we could discuss what went wrong with this series, and I proposed the question, are the Lightning that much better than the Bruins, or did the Bruins, because they did not show up as the Boston Bruins, maybe beat themselves a little, and like I said a couple weeks ago, Tampa's just circling the water. Do you know what I mean? Like, the Bruins were almost doing Tampa's job. That's just a question I'd like to propose. I've been inspired by the the meltdown on the Twitter or whatever of like, so um, you go, you go first, talk about it. What for you, what really went wrong in the series? Uh, this couple, is a- like just a couple things that just anything that comes to your mind, just talk it out, buddy. This is, I remember we said group, I said therapy last week and yes, this is a family therapy session. That's why we say ask BNG. We want everybody to go so you yeah. go mark take as long as you need cry and get it no i'm gonna i'm gonna try to be as quick as possible but um the there was so many factors to this series that uh the, the bruins dropped basically i mean they were they were involved but there were certain areas that they were not involved and sometimes i don't even think they were in the same time zone uh and that's scoring i mean the, the, the pretty passes got to stop. You make the pass, take the shot. Get shots on net. You need to you need to get this goaltender going side to side. He's a world-class goaltender and probably going to win the Vizina. Vizina. However the hell you say it. So, Vezna. Vezna, yeah. Um, defense. Team defense was terrible. Not just one. I mean, everybody's, you know, going after Tori Krug and blah, blah, blah. He should walk now and blah, you know. It's, it's not just one. It's the whole core of six on the ice. And the forwards. The forwards were disappointing. You know, you guys got to capitalize. But to do that, you got to stop making all these pretty passes. It's just It was so frustrating to watch when players should have taken the shot just to get it on net. If you hit him, you hit him. He makes a save, he makes a save. You're getting shots on net. And not the pretty pass. Um, there was no... Just the scoring was frustrating. I mean... The when the fourth line was like really playing well, that slowly turned into one of the trashier lines. Um, and losing Wagner, it was no help either. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a lot of things that can be looked at, and I'm sure we're going to talk about it later on what what can be ha- what happened. And you know, I just I just what I'm trying to say is I don't want to see this team next year the same, just this same team. If you can't make any moves to better your team, and if you play the same, you come out a hundred points winner next year. You go into the playoffs, and you produce the same, then it's going to be somebody's ass is going to be on the line, and it's, and I I want to say it's got to be upper management. Now I'm 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 almost ready for Neely and the the Don Sweeney to move on. I I just I. You, they have to make moves. They have to make the drastic ones. You have to have a pair of cojones to go out there and say, I need this player to get better. What will it take? Not, oh, he's an asset in two or three years. If you want to win now, act now. I that's, agree. That, that's just my thing. Uh, no, no. I, I actually am happy to say um, I think it's important. that, And again, I'm not throughout this podcast if I do defend Tory Krug, I want to make it very clear. It's not a fangirl defense. It's you're going to hate on your smallest. And I get he's small. You, But the thing is, as a team, you know, Tory Krug's going to get pushed off the puck. You know that. You know Matt Grizzlick might get pushed off the puck. 
That is why Krug is paired with Carlo. And I do think they deserve their fair share of criticism as a defensive pair. They were bad. But I can point to almost everybody else besides mm, Jackie Nordstrom and a few other people that played both ends of the ice defensively. On on couple with that, one of the things I wrote down was um, if scoring goals wins games, then why are we not talking about the offense? Because they had it's not as if they couldn't get a shot on Vasilevsky. I can see if you got no shots off, but they had 45 shots on that. Like they've had plenty of shots, even when they played like crap. Even when they got that seven to one loss, they still had plenty of shots. They could have had they figured out how to get the puck in the net during that second period. That wouldn't have been a seven to one game. Now the game was already starting to get out of control, but you could have reined it in to not end up to be seven to one, right? When did the Bruins ever have their asses handed to them like that? They don't as the answer. One time versus Washington like four years ago in that really bad game versus Montreal two years before that. But generally, it's not. Um, but so for me, I think it's team defense. It's fine to give defense defense their fair share of licks because not the best back end. We've, and our back end is a lot better defense. We have a defense the rest of the league looks and goes, man, I wish we had a good balance of that too, you know. But – so this idea, like, our defense is the suckiest defense ever, and now we should just pull up Yarrow back and nine and all these people, that's going to solve it. No, this goes back to what you said. Although, like I said to you, I am totally on board for reasonably plugging young players in. The That's one thing, but I do agree with your last point. I think Cam and Don have a good plan, but they don't swing for the fences. Ever. And if they do, so like for me, uh, the trade deadline, we lost out. We talked about it. What could we give up? We have plenty of future assets, right? Why do we hoard them and then take on just people comparable to who we already have in the system? Now, we have had some great pickups. Like, I still wish we could have signed Marcus Johansson if him and Coyle could have stayed together. We didn't have the money. He had to move on to Buffalo or whatever. Coil thing, but generally, what have we done? It's the same crap that Peter Chiarelli used to do. Here, have Joe Thornton for nothing, right? So we basically traded. Now, I'm not on Andre. I do think Andre Kasha should have scored more, but again, he's just part of the fair share of problems and not getting the puck in the net. And it's a lot easier to say, hey, you should have put the puck in the net than be mad at Bergeron. I get that, okay, as a Bruins fan. At the same time, shouldn't you be twice as mad at a Bergeron? You know, that's just me. Uh, but I do think... Sweeney and Cam need to do something in this offseason. I am at the point with this team, this is too good of a team to just blow it up, okay? We have too good of a core. Whether you sign Krug or not, again, uh, we have some players like Tory Krugs that aren't as old, say, in this, like, core group, but are kind of medium core guys that will kind of, you know, say you get rid of these things. I think people underestimate that, like, everyone, whatever, Danton Heinen, but you know what Danton Heinen had a lot more fucking points than Brett, than Nick Ritchie, Brett Ritchie, Parlin Holm, and freaking whatever combined, okay? And that's fine. I get it. We had to get rid of David Backus' salary. I get that. Again, we heart you, David Backus, but you need to be loved somewhere else. But you gave up Dan Heinen to, in essence, not actually get any more production, right? Now, uh, we'll bring up when we get into, like, what can go. I actually have some statistics because what I think the biggest problem is is this. Our management won't swing for the fences. Don't blow it all up. I'm not saying trade a Krejci or whoever. Those are our core players. But at the same time, 
if you can jump John Moore and some of these prospects who, let's be honest, are young players that are never going to end up on the Boston Bruins. I'm not saying you don't ravage the, you want the Providence Bruins to have a team too. But if you can get, everyone else goes out and gets a legitimate second line winger, right? We don't do that. We get more plug-and-play people. We have more plug-and-play people than anybody needs in their lives in the system, right? You need to get people. You need to get a bigger defenseman. You yep. need to look what... So for me, that would fix it. But if you want to look out, the biggest problem is scoring. Here are your top... Uh, and by the way, this is statistically, and we might talk about after, how it always is with scoring with the Bruins. David Krejci, Brad Marchand, Pasta, Patrice, Tori. Those are always your top five point-getters. Always for the regular season in the playoff, that's part of the problem. Your fifth highest scorer, or sometimes your fourth highest scorer, should not be your smallest defenseman you have, and that's part of the problem. Maybe not so much defense itself, but maybe we need some bigger forwards too. So that's yeah. just me. But I, I love Don Sweeney and Cam Neely. But if you don't do something this off season and this season, you need to go. I do want to touch on one thing that you mentioned a little while ago, and I and I remembered it. Um, when you said that you don't understand the signings. So here's my theory about that is what I was told from many people is like the Brett Ritchie's that they signed for a million dollars. He was signed to, to go into camp and push these people, push these younger players that are trying for that, for that spot. And, uh, and ace in the hole, you have an NHL player that's ready to go if that if that prospect can't cross that threshold, and that's basically what happened with them, that's got to stop. For me, you need to have more faith in your prospect pool. Brett Ritchie should never have been here. That spot should have gone to a Zach Senishin or a Carson Kuhlman on a regular basis. Those are the type, you know, it's just, I hate these, let's bring in, because they're very cap-friendly, $1 million or $950,000, just to push these guys. Don't do that. I mean, to, to me, that honestly messes with the like the the minds of these kids that are going up. They're like, oh, I'm never going to get a chance. And look at people like Zaboral. The kid has not had a chance. I mean, he's got had a couple of games, but nothing real consistent. It's I'm just using Zaboral as, a, as an example. I'm not saying he's the best down there. No, we're ta- we're just talking about there are a lot of people now. Have confidence. Real- in, have confidence in your prospect pool and play them. You now, know. the real discussion can be, are they ready to be up yet? Like, maybe keeping most things intact, but making a big move to shore up aspects for one year, you know what I mean, or whatever, um, in certain aspects. But the, the, those little contracts drive me nuts. For I get, um, I get it's good to have the NHL experience or whatever, right? But if you're going to do that, I want more than Nick Ritchie coming back for David Backus's contract and Danton Heinen who, no, is not a top, whatever, but he's consistent, sure, whatever. He never made it on the right wing, but he's the type of player that has value because he does everything you want, and he's reasonable salary, right? Like, he wasn't wrong to go to arbitration over his salary. He is worth 2527 if you look at the quote-unquote comparables, right? We can talk about that with a few people coming up, right? But you never make a move. Now, Rick Nash was a real attempt, okay? knocked him in like that was a freak thing i'm not saying it would have been wonderful i do think that that was john sweeney and them went in there with a real actual and i think what's happened with this particular like management is 
when they do try to do something big, it blows up in their face. So now they're gun shy. They're afraid. You're afraid to try and move. Because let's be honest, you could move David Krejci for salary purposes. But Charlie Coyle is not a second or first line center. And if you move him up, you're going to end up moving him to a... So I'm just saying, we don't have enough developed centers to bump up, like you said, trust in your system, to move that kind of salary to lose the production of that player. And you can make your arguments good, bad, or ugly, but no, David Krejci really is one of the most productive Bruins of all time. Like, you look at the charts, like, you know what I mean? Like, and we're like, oh, he disappeared. David Krejci has missed a playoffs for this team. He's the problem. He was the problem. Not anybody else couldn't get the puck in there. Like, clearly, it was David Ritchie. Oh, I know. Like, and, it's and those things. <clears throat> talk about um, uh, Nick Ritchie and the in uh, the trade. And you mentioned Danton Heinen too. How about uh, Bruins Twitter when he missed an open uh, an open goal? I mean, Bruins Twitter went mad saying Danton Heinen would have had that. <laughs> Didn't Heine would have buried that. I felt a little redemption. I could feel me and Chris Blackie smiling a little inside, like, <laughs> mm, you're damn right, Danton Heine would have. My thing is, I understand, okay, so we need to have maybe a little bigger player. We've talked about this. We're at a point in the NHL where it swung from the old way all the way to what the new way was, and now it's balancing itself out. I think I mentioned last week, I think Victor Hedman is the perfect example of the player that in the last 20 years has developed in the NHL. These are the type of players. Big, but not giant and lanky. And can, can move. play both sides, right? Because move. he moves like, just as much as you might say, Tory Krug moves like a forward. So Victor Hedman's totally a, a defenseman with a forward mind too. Like those kind of players, that mindset. But now we swung back to heavier hockey players again, but a little lighter and quicker. So that's what they need to consider. But I do not think like they're, a lot of our players have value because the rest of the league recognizes they have value. People in Boston might not recognize they have value. You know what I mean? Like, um, if I hear one more time about how much, you don't know how much Tory Krug is asking for. The market sets itself. So when the market says he's a $9 million player, now don't get me wrong, he gets pay grade. This is his last major contract of his career. He's going to get five, six, seven years, whatever, however much, whether he or somewhere else, whatever, that's to be still TBD at this point, right? Because, well, I mean, technically we could do trades, but our UFAs and RFAs, we still have this month to negotiate and decide what we want to do before free agency officially opens up. You don't know he's not asking for seven, which, by the way, if you dump John Moore, that's the two million bump that he's probably looking for at minimum in his pay. Right. Because everyone's like, he won't take a team friendly deal. He did not say he wouldn't take a team friendly deal. He said he would not take a short term deal. Neither would any other 29 year old in the NHL if they had a brain in their head. Right. But this like narrative, like no one, Tory Groves not walking around like I'm a nine million dollar defenseman. But you know what? He is a seven point five to nine million dollar defenseman. And I do agree. You know, but this idea of like. Get rid of like everybody, it's. It's not necessarily what you have to do, especially if you're not going to get anything in return. So you know what? Say you do sign Char and Crew, just throwing it out there, right? Great. Dump Don, dump John Moore, who I respect, but is not, and he knows he's an older defenseman. It's not. He comes in, he tries the best he can when he's in there. In some games, he's not as bad as other games. You know what I mean? I think it's easier for us to hate on the players that pop in and out because you only see them for a fraction. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they look that much magnified, whether good or bad. Uh, but then maybe, great. 
you get rid of that salary, that's exactly the 2.5. You still got your 17 million to work with, with anything else you might want to do via trade and pay, you know, whatever. But the fact is, we're not in any worse cap salary than some other people, and they still seem to get giant moves done. But within reason, they don't totally destroy their team if they have a good core. Now, there are times to, like, burn down the house and just let everything go. Well, the Rangers are a perfect example of, of, of going out and getting those players. Mm-hmm. Those are, you know, getting in Tanny, getting the bread man was a, was a definite home run for, uh, for Jeff Groton. So. Yeah, so I'm just saying, let's be reasonable, right? Like, honest to God, you have to say to yourself, honest to God. Say Krugel takes $7 million, right? And we're going to talk specifically about you. I mean, we've had some questions about whatever, but everyone's talking about it. Is that the worst thing that can happen to your team? If you can package some prospects, not ones that are probably within a year or two going to be legit Boston Bruins, but maybe some of these other people we have rights to and things like that. There are a lot of teams that don't even have farm systems. And then... You let the younger guys get more plug and play, right? Because if Chara comes back, it's going to be for one more year. And I do agree. I don't feel Chara should have to retire in these circumstances. He's played too long for it to have gone down like that, even if Doc Emmerich acted like this is his funeral march, okay? Um, But you got to be reasonable about it, right? Can we dump John Moore? Can everyone please give up the Kevin? I heard it the other, on a podcast two days ago. Well, if Kevin Miller was there, no. No. Not if Kevin Jesus. Miller was there. Kevin Miller would have made absolutely no. You know why? Because Kevin Miller is a heavy, slow defenseman like Chara. Yeah. He's not a quick. They miss the tough guy. Maybe they, he could have protected Grismore or whatever, but yeah, I'm sorry. Let the Kevin Miller go. I can't anymore. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's not. I don't believe he's coming back. Uh, especially with the cap not going up for another two or three se- seasons, the, his his value is uh, is much needed elsewhere, and uh, you know they need every penny that they can get. I mean, I I made this, the suggestion. Oh, well, actually, we'll talk about it because it's, it's actually in an uh, an ASP and G. But um, yeah, so let's. You want to finish up on this? Um, that's pretty much. I just my guess. My bigger question is is. Are the Lightning that much better than the Bruins? Like, for me, when they play, it's usually a goal or two. We usually go to overtime. Like, I feel like these two teams are not the same team, but they are the same caliber of team, just in different form. That's me, regardless of what the second round looks like. Or is that just in my own head? That if you look at it, even though Tampa beats us, they don't beat us by, like, a thing. They beat us by one goal in a shootout. Like, you know, it's... Yeah, they just, for me, they were the better team in the series. They wanted it more, and I get it, but it's just, I don't know. There's so many factors that I have to think about when when this, when this I'm asked this question, and I've been asked it several times on Twitter and, and, and at work and, and elsewhere in conversations, but, you know, it's, it's Tampa Bay found a way to expose weaknesses in the Boston Bruins system, and they did it, they did a damn good job. Congratulations, Tampa Bay. He moved on. Yeah, but we're not trying to take it away from them. No, nope. but that's you know, I also think that a lot of these players, they just I I don't know, mentally I don't know if they were all all in on it. Um, some look like they checked out early. I mean, I I don't know. I think a lot of this was was just one of those really unorthodox thoughts about about playing this game in these bubble systems. And um, I don't know if it was all if they were all there. So, um, 
I would if, like to say if this was if it. this was a regular year, yeah, and this happened, I, I I'd probably be a little more pissed off. Like I said, yeah, I think that if it was a regular, and this is again is an excuse. It is what it is. Tampa outplayed us. They won. Like no one's trying to make excuses for that. But had this series been played the third week of April and not the last week of August, this would have been a different series. Now, I'm not saying that we would have won the series. I right. just mean the look of the series, it would have been more of a barn burner, seven game kind of series. Um, before we move on from Tampa, I would just like to say for all the other oh, Bruins been so overrated all these years, I'll tell you this. Let's just review the last 10 years just real quick. So in 2010, we lost to Philly. That was the horrible in the second round. We let them win. Yeah, we all remember it. Cool. Thank God we won the cup the next year. <laughs> Tampa Bay wasn't even in the playoffs, right? And they had good players at the time. It's not like they had... Tampa has not had a team that shouldn't be uh, competitive either in the last 10 years. Uh, 2011, we beat them in seven games. Crazy Stamkos face together. We go on to win the cup, obviously. We lose to Washington in the first round in 2012. Tampa Bay wasn't even in there. We lost the cup to Chicago in 2013, which I know is a shortened season. There was the lockout, all that jazz, but still Tampa didn't even make the playoffs. In 2014, we lost to Montreal, and Montreal took out Tampa in the next round. Uh, 2015, no us. Tampa lost the conference finals to the New York Rangers. No us in 2016. Those were the two years that we didn't make it, and that's when what led eventually to Cruz Cassidy becoming the head coach. Uh, they lose to Pittsburgh in the conference final. Boston loses to Ottawa in the first round. Tampa wasn't even in it in 2017. 2018, they beat us in the second round, but lose to Washington in the finals. Bruins lose to the Blues last year. Tampa was swept in the first round, and they, of course, just took us up. So what I'm just saying is that everyone loves Tampa Bay. They are the team, right? Not just that, but I mean, if you listen to, like, hockey podcast stuff, right? That's weird because we might have lost two Stanley Cups, but I'll take losing two Stanley Cups and winning one in the third than losing three Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah. Now, that being said, they lost to Washington, won the conference final. I mean, they won the championship that way. Pittsburgh, I think, won. New York definitely did not win, though. So, really, maybe just really what good teams sometimes choke out in the playoffs. I'm just saying, whatever circumstance it may be, whether it's COVID and crazy and your team never gets there. I do think, though, Tuca leaving... Again, we don't blame Tuca. No one's mad at Tuca about it. But I do think that was a hard mental thing on the team, which would be anybody's team, not just our team. But, like, you know, I'm just saying, if Vasilevsky just, like, looked over at John Cooper's like, I got to go home, that would be a huge factor yeah. right and just even just like you said mentally and emotionally these players are nowhere near in the same kind of space generally that they are so i don't want to talk about tampa bay anymore i just want to say i just want to say that they had more depth than we did so they just they up and down the lineup i think that they they will had the had the, the advantage um just by what we saw what i what i saw in the eye test uh from the, uh, the play-in games i was that was, I mean, you barely showed up for those. And uh, the the Carolina series, I mean, that was a spark of, of wow. I mean, they're playing a little better to, uh, you know, playing a team like Tampa Bay and then just kind of checking out. So, See, I don't, 
I don't think it's that this team doesn't have depth and every team could use a lot of depth. I feel the Bruins didn't play to their depth either, which was part of the problem. And that just starts even just on the scoring end, right? Like, I mean, normally we are one of the hardest defensive teams to play against overall, right? And not this summer. Also, I I would argue maybe if we took Pilata the play a little bit, the games would have been a little closer because that dude killed us. Now you expect Victor Hedman to just roll. I mean, Victor Hedman is... Like Barry said, you just kind of let Victor Hedman do what he's doing and worry about everybody else, and hopefully he does, you know. But that's that. But um, I don't know. What do you want to – we talked about all that. Uh, oh, do you want to talk about injuries? We, You know, as always, now they can say what's wrong with them. They don't have to say unfit to play or whatever. Uh, they're out of, you know, whatever the playoffs. Um, there's a few things we know Corrali was hurt, Pasta was, but, uh, how about Chris Wagner? Pretty scary with the heart palpitations. Yes. Yeah. That was, that was crazy to figure out and glad to, uh, report that he is, uh, I think he went through a procedure already. Yeah. I think they think there's not going to be any permanent damage. It was just more of a one-off. They're going to look at it, but that's, I mean, he's not that, you know, for his age, like, you know, that's. Yeah. Was it the same thing that McAvoy had? Um, well, I think McAvoy actually has a heart condition. I don't know if Wagner has a heart condition, but his heart went into, uh, you know, AFib or whatever when it's offbeat. You know what I mean? Kind of like what happened with, uh, like Jay Bolmeister's heart did that to him, but obviously he's a lot older and his body reacted, you know, a lot differently. Uh, that's just scary. I mean, that must've been scary. He's on the bench, right? He was playing and he, it was during game four, I think that he kind of, he went back to the locker room and we didn't know where he had gone and it didn't come out until later. You know what I mean? Uh, but everyone battles injuries again, no excuse. Um, pasta. We know pasta. He must've heard me on Sunday saying, take him off the power play. If he's not going to do anything. Cause that's where he scored his goal was on the power play. Um, yeah, but you know, now everyone has time to rest up. Um, I don't know what we're doing. Before we get into the, I figure the long goodbye and all that, we could also go through some of the BNGs and plug them in as we talk about contracts, this and that, right? Uh, I, This part I just said was the long goodbye because really it is, right? Like this team, even if we keep the team together exactly how it is, which no one's, I don't, I'm not asking you to do that. I'm just asking you to reasonably not totally destroy it. You'd also don't want to go from a team that loses in the second round to a team that doesn't even make the playoffs. Yeah. You want to have just enough faith in your young guys to not have to go out and get young guys, but enough sense to make sure you have enough veterans on the team. Or if you've got to make a big move, you pull in somebody like you. I know you love like Dylan right on defense. Like you make a move like that. You don't just not sign a Tory Krug and then, you know, whatever. So I don't know if you want to just get into that or if you want to take a quick break or what do you want to do before well, we, we got, do this? We got about seven minutes to go before we take the our first, um, well, the commercial break. So it depends right. well, on what you want to do. Why don't we start do. with then Chara? Well, we can talk about Chara. We'll start with Chara. Okay. Do you think, for you personally, because obviously we don't know what's going on yet, do you think that was Zidane's Chara's do you think that was the Daniel Chara's last game as a Bruin in your heart? Um, I, I don't know. I, I know that he's, he's very vocal about coming back for another season. Um, but it's one that I'm not in agreement with. I, I'm, I, I'm ready to move on. Uh, he's done a great job, it, a, a, an instrumental role into 
winning the 2011 Cup and where we are today. But just, I'm, I'm, I, I, I want to move on. And it's not because it's out of disrespect for him, but I just, it's a roster spot that continues to be um, held for the um, leadership factor and so on. But we need it on the ice. I need somebody on the ice that is going to be not overskated. He's got to, I mean, he, I don't know. I, I just, this frustrates me that they keep going year to year to year with him. Um, and they're probably going to again. So you could say goodbye to uh, a few prospects down in, in Providence right now if that happens. Um, if, if, if he stays another year, say goodbye to Jakob Zboril. Never get a real chance to really prove what he could do uh, with regular minutes like Connor Clifton's getting and so on. I mean, it is what it is. But Connor can't go down to Providence because he'd be exposed to the waiver process. So in next season, Zboril will too. So as soon as as soon as camp happens and they get cut, uh, they'll have to go through the uh, waiver, and uh, we'll see where he goes from there. But um, yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking right now. Is I get the whole leadership, I understand, and blah blah blah. But the way I'm seeing on the ice is just he's just getting outskated. The game is just too fast for him these days, and you know that's just my opinion. I'm and I'm just not hating on him at all. It's just you know. Just something I see. I see a lot of mistakes. I see a lot of good things out of his game, too. The way he can shut down the lane just by his reach. But, you know, when he does get the puck, it's just, you know, I need something more than just flipping it out. You know, I, I need you to skate. I need you to move. So. You still have one of the hardest shots in the league. I need you to throw it on net sometimes. He doesn't even use that anymore. I know. I, I'm exactly. like, I'm dumbfounded that he just, I mean, he could, I mean, I get that there's somebody in front, but people take shots all the time. You know, fire it on net. Get it on net. Except for, you know, bumping it over to this guy. Bumping it over to that guy for a chance. Um, again, I, I'm just going to incorporate. I know we kind of say, like, hashtag BNG is a different segment. And maybe someday it will be. But with the wrap-up of the season, the questions kind of are kind of as we go. So Maria for, of Watertown at Maria H2O-Town. Shout out Maria, who is apparently up in our area right now. Yeah. Um, one of her questions was, do you sign Chara? For me, it's hard with Chara, right? If you don't sign Chara, I do think it's more important to maybe try and sign Tori Krug for the left shot, for like some reason. So if you don't keep Chara, that's a little bit more money you could put towards a Krug extension if you go that lane, right? He can take over a little bit of... I mean, obviously, he's one of the players that are get recognized as one of the leaders in the locker room, right? And can still kind of maybe sustain that role a little bit, especially in the defense. Now, yes, he is not the best defensive defenseman. No, he He's not supposed to be. He's not a defensive defenseman. That's not an excuse. But again, if we pair the... We talked about, like, one of the things that's good with the Bruins is how we pair a Carlo with a Krug, right? Now, Carlo had a hard series, too, and maybe had he not been having such a hard series, Tori Krug's hard play on the back end wouldn't have seemed so apparent. You know what I mean? Um, so for me, it's like, on one hand, I do think we need to move on, not as a disrespect thing to uh, Chara, but at the other side, I have a hard time reconciling that after being one of the 20th longest playing players of all time that's how his crap's gonna go down especially if joe thornton's gonna give it another round you know so like but for me it's like are you gonna take a lot less 
like, are you going to take a million dollars or whatever? Is that, what's the minimum? Is oh, it's a million dollars. Yeah, well, you know more about, because I know it's like salary time and plus this, this yeah, you can't, how tall you, per how the C- tall you are, minus your plus minus. No, per, per, the, per the CBA, he cannot accept anything less than a million at his age. Right. So do we really need to, I mean, if it was very low like that, without all the bonuses and everything else, you know what I mean? I mean, not obviously they make the playoffs, people get bonuses kicked in, but like all the other little things, that'd be one thing. Especially if Tory Krug is not going to reset, you know what I mean? Which, whatever. I think it would be a lot to lose both of them on the back end, though, unless we go out and get uh, another 27-year-old defenseman who's a real good defenseman in that. That's going to be a hard sell, though, too, without getting rid of assets. So is it almost better to burn the salary on one or both of those players and then put maybe a trade in order, you know what I mean, package, move money, and then have enough to maybe keep DeBrusco, Grizz, or whoever else you're trying to plug in there. That's a hard question to me. For, I think the hardest thing for me is saying goodbye to him. Like, he's the type of player that deserves the victory tour to every arena and getting the stick from it. And, like, it's sad to see it end that. And not just him. There are plenty of players. I was thinking, actually, maybe Dustin Bufflin had something going earlier. He knew shit was going to go down this year. That's why he stayed home. Um so for me, that's the hardest one. The other question that Maria asked too is, and I think we talked about this a little last week though, just is Tuca Bruin next year? And like, we do, do we see him back in the uniforms next season? Uh, yeah, I, I believe so. I believe he's going to be that type of player that um, honors his last year of his contract and, and one that's smart because at his age, you always want to increase that nest egg uh, for post-playing um, funds and for your family and, and your family's future. So and I think Tuka's made a, a little over $50 million in his career. So he's pretty much all set. But, the, you know, the extra, uh, I'm not sure if, if it's a full $7 million he's owed. I know that the AAV is 7 so his deal might have been one of those that were front-loaded and were on the tail end. I mean, it could be $4 million for all we know. Uh, but still, you don't you don't leave that money on the table. And if you want to come back and... You know, I don't know. It, it, I think it's all going to depend on what goes on in the future with the NHL in the 2021 season because we did touch on a little bit about the bubble theory of the NHL and the NHLPA sitting down and talking because they have to go through this due diligence of moving forward into the next season. If you don't talk about uh, bubbles and, and scenarios like that, then you're going to be behind when uh, things actually happen. So this is a good time to talk about next season. So, and if, if, if he doesn't want to play in a bubble like that again, I, you know, obviously his, his daughter was, was uh, the main concern of his, of his departure, which is totally respectful. But if that's something he doesn't want to deal with and just says, you know, this, these, these are um, uh, preseason games and so on, then I don't know. If he's going to be forced into playing in a bubble, I don't know if he's going to want to do that and maybe just... Walk away from that contract. I don't know. I'm not Tuka Rask or his agent, but, um, you know, it, re- it definitely remains to be seen and bears watching, you know. But um, I-, I expect him to be back. I, I think I believe what um, what uh, Yaroslav Halak had said in the uh, in his final, uh, I think it was a press conference. I think it was today, but he did mention in a quote that uh, he does hope to be back and there'll be a tandem next season. Yeah. If anything... I, I know. We hopefully no sooner than later. I think he'll be back at least to play out the last 
whatever. I think this year, part of the uniqueness was too, is this isn't asking them. Yes, it would be longer to ask them to go into a bubble for like actual bubbles for the player, but it might be a little different than asking them after five months being at home with their families to now, you know, like if we already know for those five months or whatever, or however they end up doing it, if they do bubbles, they can do what they did this year and play four games a day. You know what I mean? If You know, yeah, I'm also still fit. I'm also hearing that they could uh, bring down the games. Right. Like, like, I know the, Batman doesn't want that to happen, though. Well, they're talking. These are the the PA and the uh, and the players are talking about like a sixty to seventy game season to right. to get it all in and then not compromise the season after. Because mm-hmm. it's it, 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 some somehow it's in some stupid way, Heather. I think that it's constantly going to trickle down for at least five or six more seasons. I I don't know, but. I just want something well, to be taken care of. You know, we do have to talk about it. And, you know, if, if we don't have a vaccine, then, then you have your bubble theory and scenario and planning is, is ready to go. And that's what you got to do. But, you know, that's, that's a hard take. Even at 60 games, even as that's, that's a lot. That's a lot for a per player to be away from the family. Or are they talking too about. If we're going to quarantine as players, can we quarantine all together as family and then have family come into the bubble? So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of a lot of logistics that are going on right now that are, it's interesting to hear, but it's also good that they're planning and, and being on top of it. I think that this was probably uh, the NHL's best thing that they did this year was to, to finalize a, uh, uh, two bubbles like this. And I, I honestly think they did it a lot better than any other sport. NBA, too. I think they were on board, but any other sport. I just don't see, it. like, baseball. That What a, what a that dumpster fire, you know? Oh Jesus. God, I can't. Talk about did everything the exact wrong way, and I wish the, and the NFL good luck because I think that they've taken a lot of time watching what baseball has done to figure out what not to do. You yeah. know what I mean? And yeah. they've had, And the, they've had their camps open. They've only had a few positive COVIDs. There hasn't been anything rampant like what. So that shows me that I think that certain players in certain leagues took it a lot more serious about needing to do the things you need to do to make sure once everyone got together. Right. And there's got to be phases, right. Just like the NHL, right. It took the first phase. There were some tests, not a huge amount. Again, showing that most of the players either maybe they, they quarantined the right, like everyone else was at home, like you mostly were doing, like everyone in the world. They're only humans. They, too, have everything else shut down around them. Uh, I do remember Nordstrom mentioning, though, he felt a little better, actually, when he got back to Boston because everyone was so stringent with the masks and the whatever. And, like, at home in Sweden, obviously, they never closed everything down. And he was saying they live out of the city, so they kind of get to stay by themselves anyways. But they didn't do a lot of wandering in, you know. But then some people... I don't know, maybe some young, really rich kids on the team. Maybe when they went home, partied a little, got a little more uh, down with themselves. And, you know, but I can also see at some point, a lot of the players probably got to the point, like, are we even coming back? Like, how long am I supposed to behave until we're just going to come back in October or whatever? Right. Um, So uh, uh, for me, yes, Tuka will be back. And Char is a hard one for me. Uh, we could use that money somewhere else. Uh, but that also depends, too, on what happens. Like, obviously, if you, in the end, don't sign Tory Krug, which I know right now, like, everyone's, like, speculating. But everything's speculation at this point, you know. Yes, the likelihood is probably not. Um, 
but that doesn't mean it won't get done. We talked about this, that a lot of these people probably haven't been talked to because we went to the bubble and because we did all these things, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I know, whatever. So Vladar signed his contract extension, this and that. Yeah, but Vladar isn't like a Matt Grizzly or a Torque or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're not signing those kind of players. You have to really play the mathematical game. Uh, and also, I think Sweeney and Neely need to save their own butts at this point, you know? Agreed. Uh, do you, before I, we get into okay. the Kruger, do you want to... Um, We're going to take a quick break. We're going to hear from the great folks at the store next door up in Yarmouth, Nova Scotia. So give a listen, and we'll be right back. There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time. The Store Next Door gift shop is a Yarmouth-based manufacturer and retail outlet store. So we make great ideas that any of our employees come up with, and we reuse and recycle as much as possible. Our most popular item is probably our hockey furniture. And we take broken hockey sticks and turn them into different products. We go through a lot of hockey sticks. A lot. A whole lot. Considering that it's only been a year and we're shipping internationally, I think that that's been a huge success. Most people's reactions are, wow, you do this here. We don't accept can't here. Everyone here learns in different ways, but we want to give everybody every opportunity to find exactly what works for them. There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker and we change lives one job at a time. And we're back. I mean, just heard from the great folks up at the store next door up in Yarmouth, Nova Scotia. Please go to their website and order some of their awesome products made by special people. Uh, the the store next door dot ca. So Heather, where are we going now on the old topic agenda? Okay, well, we'll just like I said, we're gonna incorporate some of the SBNGs. So Wallace Forever at Ringo six three six three ask how do you see the Tuca situation playing out? I know you we started touching on it with Maria's question and just general discussion, but did you have more to say on that situation, goaltender? I actually did because uh, I had a Twitter conversation with uh, Ray. I think it's, uh, I can't say his last name. Sorry, Ray. But he asked what would happen if Tuca doesn't come back? Uh, where do the Bruins go with that? And I found that question pretty uh, interesting. So, uh, and obviously, I, I, I came back with that. Um, you know, we're all about trying to save cap space to sign people, i.e. Tory Krug and, and Chara and so on, and some UFAs. Uh, some RFAs, and UFAs, of course. But, um, you know, if you want to save money, you can go down this route. And I doubt this will happen, but it's a cap-friendly move. Um, go with Vladar as your backup. And go ride... Halak, uh, get the kids some experience, get him to the backup role, let him just feel his way in. I think this is going to be important for him to get more games under his belt instead of that disaster that happened um, against the Lightning in that 7-1 game. So that's just the cat move. I don't believe it's going to happen. I think they want to have a veteran in there and somebody else. I don't think that they have the, the money to go after Holtby. I know he's going to be a UFA. Um, and he's making uh, a pretty decent dollar. I want to say he's right around the five million, maybe six. I'm not sure. I haven't looked at cap friendly, you know, concerning him. But that's still just that's not the right move when you're looking at trying to acquire assets 
to um you know to move forward so um yeah i would i would ride halak and and have uh you know a mentorship with 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 vodar so that's the way i would do it i really don't know if what's going to happen i kind of look at any question with different with different you know goggles on but um you know that, that it's just the cap space for me it always comes down to like what do we have who are we going to spend it on and how much availability do we, we do we can we get out of something that's coming back because you know you don't want to you don't want to crush it and you know blow up the team but you also want to create a little more competitiveness and, and start staying in these games for the you know longer periods of time if you need over 60 minutes and possibly two overtimes I think the one of this is just kind of a general statement. I think one of the funny things is is we every offseason have the same conversation about the Bruins. What about Tuca? What about, you know, should we trade David Krejci? He gets paid so much. It's like the same conversations. But the reality is, even though you haven't made a lot of moves, your team pretty much was the same, and you pretty much had two of the same season. You know, you didn't win the President's Trophy or anything the first year, but as for success in the regular season and the playoffs, you know, it hasn't been that big, right? Obviously, there's a little drop-off from going to the Cup Finals. Again, this is kind of a weird year to kind of compare apples and oranges, you know, like in a normal season, but I think what... That, to me, is one of the big things. You should not blow up this team. This team, regardless of how ugly this series was, does not need to be totally detonated. Detonated. Detonated, yeah. Detonated. Sure, there are things every team can improve on, and that might make mean a big move, right, of some sort. But blowing up this team would be the stupidest thing because now we're looking back at, are we even going to make the playoffs? Because, like you said, say Tuca doesn't come back. It's say you sign Braden Hopi at 5-5. Five, five. You're not really saving yourself that much cap space. Like, you're really not in the end, right? Is it worth it? Like, is that going to be the difference to sign all the UF and RFAs? Like, probably not. It's not that, you know. But although Hopi is a good goaltender, he has not been the goaltender for 10 You know, the chemistry aspect of it. Do you know what I mean? There are certain places that you can change things abruptly and certain things you can't. And I agree with you. I think that, Riding Halak and giving Vladar Vladesh the chance would probably be better because how much? Yes, it would be a big drop off. I'm not trying to say you know Yarrow, but Yarrow also even though I mean he saw a good amount of games and he also was in the top ten goaltenders for you know save percentages and goals against and things like that. So if we had to stumble through a year with Halak to mentor Bladesh, I don't think it would be a, a crisis. Now that is not to disrespect Tuka Rask, who is one of the most well-rounded goaltenders in the NHL. Like, do you know what I mean? That uh, by any means, but at the same time, I don't think it would be the worst thing ever. Just like moving on from Chara. I don't think it would end up being the worst thing ever that could happen. You know what I mean? This team has survived a lot. And that's another thing I think that people don't consider that this team has battled a lot of injury. Like this has been a very resilient team for the last five to 10 years between injuries and moving and not really making any big moves to like really do anything. And they've still managed to be very competitive. And a lot of other teams who have blown up their systems and done this and that can't say that. 
you know, so. I'm looking at Cap Friendly right now. I just pulled it oh. up, and his cap hit for Holtby is 6.1. But there's there's a pretty decent um, list of goaltenders available. Right. But so they, if we don't have Tuca and we're going to sign another goaltender, I don't need another 6 or $7 million goaltender. Like, I would rather ride Halak and then, like, a $5 million dollar goaltender if we need to. Uh, or I would personally rather just, if Vladesh is going to be the next guy, or eventually him and Swayman are going to be our new tandem, like, you, like again, you obviously you're the goaltender guy, I defer to you. I love goaltending, but, you know, I, I think, then it would be more beneficial if Tuca doesn't come back. Save that money to sign. Like, if Tuca doesn't come back, that's the exact seven you need to sign Tory Krug and still have plenty of money to sign everybody else, even Zdeno Char if you want, and still make moves, right? Because in order for us to make a big move, even to be able to sign a five million dollar, six million dollar goaltender, if we had to, you're still gonna have to make some moves. Yeah. Move around cap space because again, when you sign someone, it affects the cap space next year and the year after that. It's not like it's a magical, like solution, like it's one and done. But, um, anything I think Tuka will be back. I think so too. But it's it's a valid question if he does. Yeah. You know, where do you go with it? Um, you know, it's. Ugh. It's going to be a sticky situation no matter what. But I'd, I'd, I'd just go the cat-friendly route, give the kid some get some time. He's been with the, the organization since 2015, third-round pick in Vladar. So, you know, we, I don't know. I just don't you see another guy coming in here. I don't see, you know, like Jakob Markstrom. He's going to want to get paid. He's a UFA. He's, you know, he had a solid playoff and season. So, and Matt Murray, who knows? Jimmy Howard, hell no. Craig Anderson, hell no. Uh, Robert Liner, that's an intriguing one for me. And I do love Robert Liner. But yeah, but he's he's $5 million. Corey Crawford's a $6 million goaltender. I mean, Thomas Grice is a 3.3, which is, you know, that's kind of where you want to be when you're thinking about the, the cap and, and what you need for goaltenders. You don't... This team doesn't need another ten, a seven million dollar, ten million dollar goaltender. We can definitely get it done with these plug and plays at these numbers, you know. But it all depends on what Sweeney and, and Neely want to do. Yeah, it's like it's almost like, but is that a need? Like, if Tuca doesn't come back, I don't. I personally, I, I don't, personally think Halak and Vladar would be enough, at least for the season, right? Until I don't think your Vlad- I don't think your problems are in goal. I think it's. I think your problems are up front in the defense and, and the and your forwards, you know. And I you, think more the forwards than the defense. If you can go I'm out, I'm not saying there can't be changes on the defense, but the fact is, it doesn't matter how much you're paying people if the puck doesn't go in the net. And the Bruins, and again, I'll get to this point when we talk about Tory Kruger. Statistically, if you look at the last five years, the problem is you only have four people who really get a significant amount of points then Tory Krug, and then kind of everyone else underneath. But there's a significant drop-off from there. And that's, I mean, yeah, you do have some defensemen that can put up the point. You know what I mean? But, like, those are few and far between. Like, yeah. that's not a defenseman's job. And If they if can go out, if they can go out Krug, and get a guy like Hedman, who's got checks the boxes on everything on right. both sides of the puck, as you mentioned earlier, oh, you know, that's that's what we need. We need, need that shutdown guy, but they can... The type of guy that has the mobility, too. But the problem with that is, is to get the Victor Hedmans of the world, and I know you don't mean him specifically, but someone like him who checks the boxes, 
is those kind of players get to be a superstar on the team they're on. And that's who you build a team around kind of players. Do you know what I mean? And that's, I don't know why the Bruins don't, it's hard for us to see because we're not in the negotiations about how hard we don't know. Sweeney hasn't pushed for some big trades and they just wouldn't come to fruition. Right. We don't know that. We just know any trades that have happened. Haven't been big trades. Right. Right. Um, we could go and argue, should we, you know, we talked about Kyle Palmieri would have been great at the trade deadline, but it didn't happen. So you can't lament these things. You have to look and see. Some of these players do only have a year or two left. Do we mostly keep the team together as is, chug through the next season and make all the major decisions on the next year, right? Because you got Krejci, is he going to resign? you going to whatever, you know, that is a legitimate argument to do what you need to do to stay competitive, which again, the Bruins have shown even good, bad, or ugly. They are one of the most competitive overall withstand the season into the playoffs kind of team. Um, I mean, do that. That might not be the worst thing ever. I really don't think there's so like, we'd be such a different team if we did that for one more year, because then there are more places you can get rid of money. But that being said, you still have to make decisions about the UFAs and RFAs this year going forward. But let's face it. If Char is back, Char is back for one more year, just to give it a normal run, quote unquote, and then retire, you know, uh, Tory Krug, we're going to get into him because he's obviously the big elephant in the room. Right. But He's going to need a long-term deal, but this like thing that he's asking for nine mil, just because the market says he's worth nine mil does not mean he's asking for nine mil. Well, you he, do have to reconcile. He's going to want a pay bump. You're going to have to give him at least seven. But yeah. he might take seven for six, and then in the long run, you're paying cheap money for Tory Krug because the cap's flat, right? And whatever. Again, we'll get into it. But these are decisions. I honestly am not going to be that upset if we do little but significant moves but use the cap space we have to sign a lot of these players. You know what I mean? I'm not we don't need to let Matt Grizzlick walk. If Matt Grizzlick, you can't let them all walk. Like a lot of people are out there like, why don't we just let the whole defense? And then now suddenly Lauzon's your top pairing defenseman. No, he's not. He's got great promise. He's going to look awesome up there, but he's not, you're going to all of a sudden you're going to get rid of Chara and Krug and Grizzly, you know, whatever. And now Lozon, Clifton, Moore, like this is now your defense. That's not helping the <laughs> no, situation. No, that's terrible. That's even, no offense to anybody. That made me freaking hurl a little bit. That's bad. Can, can we Can we get into Tory Krug? Yeah, but listen, like to- listen, listen. What I want to do is I want to play you this clip. And uh, this okay. is from his, uh, his uh, Zoom press conference uh courtesy of the bostonbruins.com website i'm sure um, i saw it yeah i'm sure you did so uh, let's listen to that and we'll be right back and i want to get your thoughts uh, the the contact was very very few and far between um you know for whatever reason and and um it just it is what it is uh as far as what it looks like i i don't really i don't really know um what the future holds in terms of the the coming weeks and um, free agency isn't until about, uh, I think a week after the season ends in, in terms of the Stanley Cup being awarded. So, um, we'll see. I, I, I guess there's a lot of time between now and then. Um, I'm not really sure, you know, what the future holds and, and I'm willing to, um, to sit back and, and see what happens here. But, um, that's, that's pretty much all I got for you. Yeah. I'm, I'm very opposed to that. Um, I've bet on myself and, you know, I've taken 
shorter term deals and, um, you know, less amount of money my whole career now. So, uh, this is, this is my time, um, in terms of, um, you know, my value at its peak and I have the ability and I'm in a position now where I have the uh, I need to make the most of it. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm very opposed to something like that. Uh, I've done it long enough now and, um, that's, that's the situation I'm facing. All right, Heather. So after hearing that, obviously you heard that before, but it just, mm-hmm. it's a, just a refresher. Um, your thoughts on what Tory Crew said? Because you're going right into your, another, well, another small tangent, but it's it's yes. it's, it's 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 warranted. You know, we got to talk about this stuff because it, it is news. So I, I'm going to preface this by saying I am certainly this is not coming from a Tory fangirl um, perspective. This is coming from. Uh, just a general perspective. Um, I don't disagree with him. He has done everything that this team has asked him to do. He has done bridge deals. He has done whatever. Whether it's here or somewhere else, any 29-year-old defenseman is going to need at least five to six years on a long-term deal. It's their last big deal. Now, I, again, I go back to... I, just because Tory Krug is being said on the open market to be worth that much money, and the market sets that. Tory Krug certainly isn't, like I said, walking around like, oh, I'm this. But um, this is why I think that he can stand his ground. And I, I truly do believe that Tory Krug wants to be a Bruin. I don't think he wants to leave. I think he's in that position of he's got to make his money. And this is the Bruins' time to... They don't owe him anything, but for any player, when you've done for nine years taking small bridge deals, this and that, and he only makes $5 million a year. And if you look at some of the people that also make around $5 million, uh, really comparable for what he does and affects your team is not crazy. You know what I mean? Like he is a $5 million. Again, recognizing he's not a defensive defenseman, but this team is not a defensive team anymore. We haven't been the big, bad, heavy Bruins since, I don't know, even when Claude was still here, we were transitioning to be a faster team, you know? Um, So I don't disagree with him. He deserves a long-term deal. He, for all the, he, he did not say that he would not take a team-friendly deal. He said he would not take a short-term deal. I think it's absolutely asinine to ask Tory Krug to take one year deal that is a little disrespectful i think um but although i recognize he's not the best defensive defenseman and this goes back to what we um talked about uh with you know yeah he gets his due but this is also an offensive league and i just looking over the numbers right so last year these were your top point getters pasta marshawn bergeron krug he had 49 points he only had 61 games because of injury him you know we always have injuries but last year he was 79th overall with 49 points okay that's one less than tyler sagan three less than petrangelo which again he's gonna make some freaking bank when he gets his contract like would i if we're not gonna sign krug would i love petrangelo yes but we can't afford him either like so you also have to be realistic is it better to appease someone with a high-end talent like that now or later and I'd also like to point out that was only six points less than Victor Hedman, and he played last less than five games. So at least on that end of the, of what like a, a Hedman does, 
He's on par with them. He's not behind there, yeah? Let's look at the defensemen for the last few years, just a little bit. Last year, Tory Krug was number eight. It was This year was number eight with 49, behind Kale McCarr, who obviously is Kale McCarr, and Ryan Suter was behind him. Again, only the top ends of like the Carlsons and the Yossis and the Headmans of the world are above him. And Quinn Hughes, obviously, those two had like rookie crazy years, right? Last year for defenseman, Tory Krug was number 12 with 53 points. That was only one less than Victor Hedman, with six games less played. Roman Yossi, that was only three points left than him, and he played 20 more games. And Chris Letang, who never plays any games because he's always injured, just kidding. 50, I'm just saying, these are the high-end paid defensemen in the league. So again, I will give you all day long, Tory Krug is not the defensive player that Roman Yossi is. But as for affecting the win, the getting the goals, the scoring the goal, which is the end game, he is a huge factor on that. Same thing, a year before, he was number eight for defenseman point getting with 59. Now, mind you, Tory Kruger also misses 20 games a year from injury. The year before that, he was number eight. He had more than Dougie Hamilton, everyone loves so much. And Kyle, uh, I mean, what's his name? John Klinsberg who was a pretty good defenseman, he would be good in the system. Now, the bigger issue that you have to think of is if you lose Krug, yes, maybe you can like a little more defensive defenseman, but because the front end does not get the puck in the net, you look at the top point getters, Pasta, this is a year, Pasta, Marshawn, Bergeron, Krug, Krejci, Coyle, DeBrusque, McAvoy, Tory Krug had 49 points. Charlie McAvoy only had 32. Now, yes, Charlie McAvoy is much better defensively. He is growing into himself. But I just mean that's a huge drop-off on that back end, right? If you get rid of Krug, now you're looking at 20 less points at least coming off your back end. The year before, Krug was number five with 53 points. That's the other thing. Tory Krug's at least consistent. You know what you're going to get out of him. You don't have to guess. Like, that's one of the gripes people have with Jake DeBrusque. This will crack you up. Danton Heinen actually was number seven for points. With 34, that was the year before. The year before that, how sad is this, right? You want to hear our best point getters, 2017-18? Go ahead. Well, I know you're shocked to find Marshawn, Bergeron, Pasternak, Tory Krug, Danton Heinen with 47 points, David Krejci with 44, Jake DeBrus, Riley Nash, Rick Nash, and David Backus rounded out your top point getters in 2017-18. That's a problem. Yeah? Yeah, it's a huge Even problem. Even better. Even better, 16-17, Marshawn Pasternak, Krejci, Bergeron, Krug. Then Ryan Spooner. So Tory Krug scored 11 more points than one of your plays-all-the-time kind of players. Bacchus. Chara still had 29, okay? John Moore had 25 points. Now, we inherited him from New Jersey, so half of that was probably on Jersey. And Drew Stafford. That's right. Do you remember Drew Stafford was a Bruin four oh, short seasons God. ago? I choked. When, I choked when they freaking when they got him. I'd also like to, before we take Mancuso's question, to also point out about Tory Krug. Yes, again, I get the defensive rights. I get that. I love Tory Krug, and I will full on agree is not the best defensive. Although I would argue he plays better defensively on the back end than what the series in Carolina should this postseason shows. Generally speaking, although he is on the ice, he does players that are on the ice more tend to have worse, and I know everyone hates plus minus, but let's just look at the top paid defensemen, right? The second highest player, Drew Doughty, 11 million 
dollars. Drew Doughty had 35 points with a negative 16. So for everyone who's like, Tori Cruz plus minus, first of all, I thought we don't care about plus minus anymore, but only we, we if don't. we want to trash we don't. a player. Certain no, people do. Only if we want to trash a player, though. Then we're like, oh, it's plus minus. Cool. So he made $6 million more million than Tori Krug to not put up, to put up 14 points less and have a negative 16. Great. P.K. Subban makes $9 million a year. He didn't even make the playoffs, and he had a really crappy season this year. Uh, Oliver Ekin Larson, who I think is very overrated as a defenseman, he got played 8.25 this year by Arizona to, mm, I don't know, not really produce much. Jacob Taruba, $8 million. He had 27 points and a negative 12. John Carlson, who, whatever, he's a beast. So we're not saying crap about him. He was number one with 75 points. Brett Burns, who I love and absolutely is a better defensive defenseman. Didn't even make the playoffs. He got eight, paid $8 million for 45 points and have a negative 22. Okay, so I'm just saying this rhetoric of like his whatever. If you're not going to sign Tory Krug, there are practical reasons not to. But some of the reasons not to sign Krug are stupid. Like... Oh, he's got a whatever. Like, no offense. The San Jose Shark just paid a third of their sap calorie to three defensemen. Carlson hasn't even played almost in two seasons because he's always injured. And that dude gets 11 mil. So all I'm saying is consider Tory Krug, who only misses 15 games a year and is your fifth mess point getter. Maybe we could consider his value on the team and not just the dumpster fire of last year. Um, I'm wondering, this was something I was thinking too. So, Petra Angelo, he makes 6'5 now. That dude is going to make some bank. But I'm sorry. If Ivan Provorov can make 6.75, you can pay Tori Krug $7 million. You right. know what I mean? Or yeah. 7.5. I'm just, if you want to do the comparables. So, yes, defensively, you don't get all you want. But Ryan McDonough got gets 6.75 and does not offensively produce on that team. And that's a powerhouse team. Like McDonough's all, I love him. Like whatever. I thought he was going to get his cup when he went to Tampa. He's still waiting around, but let's get to after giving all those years. Mancuso's so, question. Yes. Yeah, so Mancuso's question is this. This is Chris Mancuso at Mancuso 9797. Hello, Chris Mancuso. Would you rather have Tori Krug or Grizz and a UFA. So real quick, let's run down at least our, who we have for UFA and RFA, but UFA could be anybody's UFA that's out there on the market, right? So in addition to Krug, we have Chara, we have Debrusque, we have Grizzlick. There's a couple people I think still down in Providence that need to get their cheap money, but it doesn't always count against. This is just the list from that counts against our cap. Right. Um, so everyone else is pretty much locked in for a season or two. Those are your UFAs and your RFAs right now. So um, we'll ask the second part of the question after. Let's let's focus on the Tory Krug or Grizz in a UFA. This is going to be a very hard question for me to answer, Mark Harred. So I am going to let you go first. All right. Um, just because of the uh, the cap reasons and so on, and and what's going on, and from what I heard from the the uh, the the video clip. I don't know. I'm kind of going with Matt Grizzly. So, because I personally, I don't know if Tory Crews going to be here. So, who knows? It all remains to be seen. Um, what was that? A, a UFA that we could get for him? The, the question said, um, 
Tori Kruger, Grizz, and a UFA. So I'm going to assume, not to assume, Chris, you know what they say about assuming, but I assume he means not just a UFA we have, but like Grizz and any UFA that might be available too. I, I, I don't know. I'm going after a listener uh, that suggested this. Uh, and he said Trevor Van Riemsdyk. And that's not a bad idea. But a lot of people don't like that because he plays the Tory Crew role. So, if you're gonna, for me, I guess it's obviously I love Tory Crew. So, obviously, in my heart of hearts, I I do. Um, although, again, like I said, I, I'm just because I'm a fangirl doesn't mean I don't have eyes. I'm also a hockey fan. I realize defensively he can sometimes be a liability, although not as much as when he is being a defensive liability. People act. Um, Obviously, I would rather... I, I would like to sign Tori Krug. That being said, I'm a BU girl. I love Matt Grizzlick, right? I love him and McAvoy being together. You know what I mean? Or whatever. And try, I mean, we have a... Half our team is BU at this point, right? Um, if you are going to keep Grizz... Now, again, I'm in the I'm in the camp that we do actually have enough cap, cap space. We could, if some of these guys do some bridge deals. Like, Tori's not going to do a bridge deal again. He's had his bridge deals. But some of these other guys that are still a little young might take a three-year bridge deal, like a DeBrusque or thing. I, if you aren't going to sign Krug, like for me, Van Riemsdyk, like you said, I don't want to replace them with a cheaper version of Krug. Because... Trevor Van Riemsdyk is not Tory Crew, right? So maybe you only pay him four, but again, is he going to help compensate for that 50 points? You know what I mean? Like, we don't know. Like, is this year Charlie McAvoy finally hits 40 points? We don't know, right? Because, again, he's a defenseman, but I do think he could be a 40, 45-point player. Do you know what I mean? He could be a point producer. Practically, it would make more sense, Grizzlick and a UFA but only if you're going to use that UFA money to do something useful. Not if you're going to go back out and sign another goddamn Nick Ritchie. Right. You know what I mean? Now, yeah. I get we traded for Nick Ritchie before anyone attacks me on that. But still, you know what I mean, though, right? Yep. I would rather pay Tory the seven and maybe we can sign, you know, maybe we Wait. can move more, do something, and maybe keep Grizz and Tory than replace Tory with a cheaper version of himself that doesn't produce as much and is also a defensive liability because Trevor Ramvee's, Van Riemsdyk is not a superstar defenseman either, right? Because he is that kind of quick moving, more offensive defenseman than that. I'm on board too with the the, the cap space is 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 roughly estimated for next season at fifteen million. So that get, gets it done for me for Krug and that also gets it done for Debrusk and Grizzlick. I think there's, there's enough that you really need to do. I think there's enough for him. I think there's enough for him. Absolutely. I don't think I don't think Jake's gonna get Jake DeBrusque we're talking about uh, is gonna get six million dollars. His agent is talking that up. So when they go down to the negotiations, they're already setting a high mark, and then they're gonna work their way down with uh, well, you got this many points. They're gonna start critiquing Jake DeBrusque's recent year and his his first three of his entry level deal and where he's been. Obviously, I want to keep Jake. I think he's. Did he take a turn south? Yes, he did. I get that. He's got to be more um, uh, consistent. Totally agree with that. Absolutely agree with those assessments. But is it is it is it the time to get rid of him? I don't think so. I think that Jake's if he can do another two or three year. Let's see where he's at. And by that time, if it doesn't work out when he's up, 
he's young enough to be still some kind of an asset that he could be moved somewhere else and get something for him before walking away. So that's just, I mean, I don't understand why everybody just puts that market value and just, and then all of a sudden says, it's not going to happen. We have, we have Tory crew that we got to resign and we can't work on $4 million or $5 million, you know? I think if Sweeney does it right, I honestly think he could sign all the big name UFA and RFA, maybe even Nordstrom, right? I mean, he's, what does Nordstrom make? Well, he's a UFA, but he makes only like two mil maybe. Like he's not that super expensive. Um, that'll get to another, well, we have another BNG, you know, from here, but just to, to focus on the crew thing. Um, I do think that if they really wanted to, they could sign the players they want to keep or have to, you know, have to keep, want to keep, whatever. Uh, I hate saying that because it's not like teams don't want to keep their players. They just can't possibly always keep everybody. I would rather sign who we have. That gives you people that say shit does go bad. Maybe you get a couple of the free agents or whatever, but come trade deadline, like a Jake DeBrus then, if he's not producing, is a valuable asset for a different team. Yeah. Or yeah. a Tory Krug, if he sucks, which again, I mean, defense, whatever, and you really need to make a move, he's got heavy value. You know, this in essence is letting Tory Krug walk away. That's the same to me as it is. getting absolutely, exactly. I mean, I love Marco Sturm and stuff, but like that's like getting nothing for Joe Thornton and nothing for Tyler Sagan and this and that. Um, which I'd like to point out, no offense, Tory Krug scores just as many points as Tyler Sagan for all the people who are still lamenting Tor Tyler Sagan. You have more room for a different forward, and Tory Crew puts up as much points as Tyler Sagan a year. Just that's, saying. That's funny. Yeah. Now, good luck. Don't get me wrong. I'm not hating. I would love to see. That's great. Like, wouldn't that be crazy for Tyler Sagan as a rookie and now as, like, a real 30-year-old veteran or whatever, get to win another cup? That's great. Like, have at it. You know how I feel about the Vegas Golden Knights. I'm all in on Dallas. All in. Not just because of Dobie. I'm just saying. Uh, so... Uh that's just for just for that. Like, I think that they should prioritize signing all of our free agents in UFAs because I do think they have enough money. And I think Jake DeBrusque, again, this goes back to what he's saying, same thing I was saying about Tory Krug. Just because everyone's telling Jake DeBrusque he's a six million dollar player and he might be in other market, doesn't mean Jake DeBrusque. Jake DeBrusque has a dad who also played in the NHL. That not everyone has an agent and a father or mother or somebody who's worked in professional sports to be able to go, okay, well, your agent's being a little tricky because they want their cut. Yeah. But, you know, if you throw at the Bruins, I'll take – so he makes, what, 850000 this year, right? So Jake DeBrusque is due for a pay bump no matter where he goes, whether he's here or otherwise. Maybe, though, if you ask him 3-5 for 3, like you said, now you're not – he's not so much he can't get traded if he needs to. That's three years. That puts him at 26, which is still great for a winger. You know what I mean? You still have a good career left ahead of you. You're not on your backside yet. Like, why can't we do that? Why does it have to be assumed that just because players can be greedy that they are being greedy? Because I got to be honest, any good professional athlete like a Jake DeBrusque is looking at himself going, I'm pretty streaky. I haven't quite proved my consistency yet. So I can't really ask for six, but like a three, five might be a reasonable ask, right? Which anywhere on the market, Jake DeBrusque is a 3.5 million player. That might be underpaying him, right? Right. But I do think the people who are in our system love being a Bruin and they're willing. Now, I agree with Tory Crew. He doesn't need to take a bridge deal again. He's taken his bridge deals. He's done his job to make sure we can sign everyone. Now it's time for everyone else to take me, take the deal so Tory Crew can get his money, just like he did for everyone else. 
Right. And if that doesn't happen, that doesn't happen. So I guess for me, either way, ideally I would love us to sign us all. And I do think we have the cap space. If he gets creative, we can move some people, John Moore, whoever. Uh, that being said, I just don't want, if we keep Grizz and get a UFA, I just don't want to replace Tory Crew with a busted down version of himself. Like I need to, right. you to go out and make the big move. If right. he's going to save that money, go out and make the big move. Um, the other part of Chris Mikuza's question was, Mila Kunis or Kylie Jenner? I'll let you go first. I want Mila. I'm a big fan of Kunis. I've never uh, wanted to make out with a girl before, but uh, if I have to pick one, uh, anybody from the Kardashian-Jenner family screams venereal disease to me because <laughs> they only make their money. Basically, they're famous because Kim Car- they come from a rich family. Right. Kim Kardashian's mom sell- sold a sex tape of her and Brandy's brother 15 years ago. Now, good for them. They've made their money since. Uh, but I just feel like that is just a venereal disease waiting to happen. Also... They're, they're not very attractive. They just have a lot of makeup and full as a... But Mila Kunis is a full-on hottie yeah. in her natural state. And she's foreign and speaks Ukrainian. And Absolute smoke show. Absolute smoke show. So, All right, we got... Uh, yeah. Heather, we got about 20 minutes to go, so... All right, we're going to be gone because we pretty much... this. All these questions will go into... How many more How many more Ask B&Gs we got? Just a few. Let's go. Ready? Uh, this was from Chris Blackie at Chris Blackie. Hello, Chris Blackie. Every time someone says Heinen, I think of you because I think me and you are the only ones like, hmm, yeah, got rid of Heinen, didn't we? <laughs> uh, but uh, what would your ideal offseason look for as far as personnel? Now, I'm going to assume maybe he means more like, are we making moves in the front office, like coaching, in addition to players, right? Because personnel could be anybody. So you want to take that on? Uh, yeah, just real quick, I did touch on it earlier, but thank you, Chris, for the question. Um, thank you, Chris. Yeah, I I definitely want to see some kind of spark. Um, I don't think I think that Cam Neely got involved in uh, in some stuff with Bruce Cassidy in the bubble. I'm hearing that the lineup. Um, Okay, uh, Neely came down and said, I want this lineup. Bruce said, this is the lineup I'm putting on the ice. And I think I heard some, um, a little bit of negativity between them both. So, um, I don't know. I, with the trades, with, with not trading and not making a blockbuster and this is very stale. It's very stale. It just seems very stale. So, I'd like to see some moves, whether it be the GM. I'm not saying, you know, Sweeney's the bad guy and this is all his problem. I just think that we need we need a spark and it's gotta be it's gotta come from ownership down. So um yeah. I think so. I have a question for you then to spin off of this question. If say Sweeney slash Neely, right? Because I mean they all work in Dawn answers to Cam, who answers to the Jacobs, you know, and all the way down, right? And I'm sure that was, I think that Bruce Cassidy, because he's three years in, is starting to learn exactly. He's starting to feel the same kind of pressure that um, coaches feel and that Claude Julian felt. And uh, again, I still point, I know Cam Neely purposely, I, I don't know this to be true, but I believe in my heart. I think that it was Cam Neely that was sowing a little bit of the uh, tension between, between, uh, uh, not between Claude Julian and Bruce Cassidy, but created a situation where it was very awkward, where they were good together and the wedge kept, remember I kept saying that, even that yeah. year I kept saying someone is driving a wedge and not allowing, not allowing 
uh, Julian to benefit from, you know, um, Cassidy's younger kind of out view of the skating and not allowing Cassidy to continue to learn from Claude Julian, who, which by the way, I heard he is going to be back next year to coach. He's good yeah. to go. So good. Uh, I think that Cassidy, and this is how the Bruins go right now. He's three years in, this is your team now. Right. And, uh, I think he's starting to feel a little bit of that pressure of what happens when the front office is trying to save their own asses and they are more than happy to throw you under the bus if necessary. Now, I'm not saying that's what Cam Neal is doing or anything, but that's how it works in these things, right? Right? Like, right now in Toronto, Kyle Dubas has the pressure on him. They're not going to blame Sheldon Keefe. He just came in. But Dubas and Shanahan and them who have been in there, now, I personally think it's funny. Like, they have a different dynamic. At least, like, Sweeney and Neely are on the same page. Brendan Shanahan and Kyle Dubas are nowhere on the same page. You know, just for an example of what happens when the front end starts looking at if I'm going to get fired or not is they stop putting the pressure and trying to insert there instead of just letting the coaches do what they're doing. Now, I'm not saying whatever, you know, Toronto with Babcock, you know, Cassidy, we certainly have seen him make some wonky choices in the lineup, whether forced or not forced, you know what I mean? Uh, But I think Cassidy is not, I do think he can take his fair share of blame of what went wrong with this series with some of his lineup decisions, but he is not part of the problem. This is the end game of Sweeney and Neely, not, and I get you want to be cautious. You don't want to swing so far for the fences that, especially when you do have a competitive team, but this is the end game of what happens. Now, Neely used to push Shirelli to make big moves, right? The pressure was, well, we can always replace you with Cam Neely, right? But Sweeney hasn't produced enough to say we can replace you, Cam, with Don Sweeney, right? And now you're looking at, is this organization going to end up firing two of the most beloved Bruins that ever skated in this team? And it may may not be warranted. I mean, Cam Neely's been around a little longer. He's probably the first one that's going to end up going. He's the higher man on the railing, and it's easier to punch him down than, you know, whatever. But let's face it, the president's always going to try and throw the GM under the bus, and the GM's always going to throw... That not saying in our organization, but generally, um, I think we need to make some changes though. Now I will give Sweeney and Neely this off season, maybe even through the trade deadline to see if they're going to grow a set and really evaluate uh, after again, this team is a competitive team, regardless of how this playoffs played out. So you know what? Maybe you re-sign most of the free, even if you don't sign everybody, you do a few big, but little moves to shore up. But come trade deadline, if they haven't, if this if this team isn't at least as competitive as they have been the last two years, then everybody's getting fired as far as I'm concerned. Right. And we're going to, it's going to be ugly the last three months. Maybe not Cassidy if the team itself is mildly successful, but I'm all for throwing everyone under the bus because there are a lot, I mean, I mean, there could be changes in scouting. Who is coming back? Like, even if we don't have a pick until the 13th pick of the second round, there are still valuable players to pick up, right? Now, I am not referring to the 2015 draft because I refuse to make a judgment on that draft because I do think Jake DeBrusque is a good player. A little streaky, but still good and young. I do think Senishin, whether it's for the Bruins or somewhere, he will end up in NHL or somewhere, right? Same thing, Jakob Zavoro. He might not end up on our defense, but he will end up probably on someone's defense. Um, so I'm willing maybe to give it to the trade deadline, but something's got to give. And I don't necessarily think it's blowing up the players that what needs to give. Right. I think. You have, I think. I think it's interesting because we talk about like how Don Sweeney was a player way ahead of his time. 
you know, if he played in, this was more of the era he probably should have played in, just his style of play or whatever as a defenseman, right? He was the Tory Krug in 1991, right? The smaller, like, whatever. But Cam Neely is still very old school. And I think that sometimes, although they, they know each other well, you know, so you don't see the fight like you might between other people. I think Sweeney would like to go younger and faster and bigger, but Cam kind of gets stuck and he wants the bigger old school. And now again, we're at a weird place where it's kind of all come to fruition. And now we have quicker, faster, old school hockey. Like, you know what I mean? Right. I don't know. So I'm not opposed to shaking up the top end, but I mean, there has to be, I mean, maybe not our goaltending coaches seems to be doing good, but Maybe some of the bench coaches have to go. Some of them have been there from Claude for 10 years all the way through. I mean, I know coaches bring their own staff, but a lot of them have played on both staffs. Like, it's, right. maybe that's what needs to go. I don't know. Maybe this is, especially if you take Chara away from him, and even Cassidy said the other day, he's probably learned more from Chara than Chara ever learned from him. If you're going to take Chara away from him, maybe get him some people on that bench that are a little older and have seen the trend, you know, maybe to help him make these decisions because Cassidy is still a young NHL coach. You know, he had his stint in Washington forever and a day ago, but he still is a young coach and he's been very successful and he has a good style for this era, but that doesn't mean he can't use an old school coach every now and then to say, well, back in my day, I benched a brusque ass. You know what I mean? Like those kind of things, you know, which, and I do think when he feels like he needs to bench his veterans, he's not sure what to do with the young kids to put him in. So as much as he does, then that's why I said to him, I don't know how everyone says like, oh, he loves the young kids. Really, he does the same thing Cassidy, that, that Julian used to do. You get two shifts, and if I'm not impressed, you could just sit back down, I'll go with what I had, you know. Uh, so anyways, that's it. Uh, so we vote, I don't know, to- Mark votes Grizz over UFA, uh, and we both think Mila Kunis is way hotter than Kylie Jenner. Yeah. What else anonymous... we got? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. What else we got? Uh, I was We're running out of time sources here. At Anonymous, 8347664 says, considering the physicality, joking Nordstrom consistently adds to the postseason. Should the hashtag NHL Bruins re-sign him if there is remaining cap space after the other priorities are signing? So not... Primarily, but if there is rum, do you keep Nordstrom? Yeah, why not? Low, it's a low risk, uh, potential high reward. I wish he would do the shot blocking stuff during the regular season. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure he does, but um, I really didn't notice it. I did notice his tenacious forechecking and so on as a as a bottom line forward. So yeah, it's not bad. Only if you have the space. If not, you can find these guys in the AHL. Yeah. I think Nordstrom, he's one of those players who, like, we're at a weird place with this league. Like, if you're not one of the superstars, you don't get as much recognition as maybe back in the day you did as a, even though it's a team sport, it's a lot more individualistic now, right? Like, I mean, you could go through the list of great players who get played a lot of money, which are really great at the all-star game and the skill set, but as a team aren't going to cut the mustard, you know what I mean? Um, It makes me wonder, like, I think sometimes he gets lost in the shuffle, right? Uh, kind of like Dan Heinen used to, right? Like, you see when it's going wrong, but, like, you don't necessarily give them the credit for what's happening on the back or end. Or, like we always talk about, I'm more concerned what a player's doing off the play than when they're on the play a lot of times, right? Because that's where you lose puck battles, and that's where, you know, whatever. That's when you can pin somebody against the board to not let them get in your zone, things like that. And I think that 
Nordstrom is certainly a little badass. He's a rat little badass. I love that little Swede. I would not make him a priority signing, but absolutely I would give him his two. I mean, I'm not giving him a significant pay bump or anything, but I also think Jackie Nordstrom is one of those third, fourth line players that knows I'd rather be playing and take two five than act like I can get the four. You know what I mean? And yeah. Yeah. With what he does. I do think he's an important... I think he's a more important part of this team at times than we necessarily give him credit for. And because of how poorly everyone was playing in the playoffs, you really saw that you saw what he does. He stepped up and like, you know, again, you know, so I would make him my priority, but I would definitely, uh, if we have the money, keep him. And that goes back to my theory. If we actually do have enough to keep everybody at a reasonable, if we try, you know, like Jake DeBrusque, so no offense, honey, you're not a $6 million player. You're a $3 million player, maybe three, five at most for the next couple of years see what you can do from them all right well while we continue to talk about these things from uh matt barry uh oob cards i don't know how you'd say that but o-o-b-c-a-r-d-s he's a new writer at the black and gold welcome aboard matt uh he said is crazy is this last crazy's last season with the bruins and does the team potentially look for a center who can play wings similar to charlie coyle this season. So he's not saying trade David Krejci. He's saying this is David Krejci's last year of his contract or whatever, right? Or Krejci might have. No, this is Krejci's last year, I think. This upcoming season, yeah. Uh, So he's not saying trade Krejci, but he's saying if the end we don't re-sign Krejci, and again, he'll be older, he'd be looking for probably a one or two year deal, not a long-term deal if he does. Um, Do you look for a center who can play multiple roles like Charlie Coyle? I think I'd like you to answer because I know how you feel like Charlie about Charlie Coyle when he's not playing center. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be up the middle. I don't mind him second-line center. I don't mind him first-line center, third or fourth, whatever. Just don't put him on the right side. I, I did not see very good things from him. He looked like he was disinterested um, and not focused. Uh, but when you put him on that third line, he drives that line. That's what he does, and he makes people around him better. And his puck possession skills, again, are just uncanny. So, no, I, I don't move him at all. Um, you got to address the right, you got the right side on the second line. That's right? a question you know? coming up. I'm going to ask you in a minute. So, um, I personally think no. Like, I mean, I like versatile players, but that's why you draft kids that are versatile players so you can form them into whoever you want. I agree with you. Charlie Coyle has a significant drop in play the minute he's a winger and not the center. And I don't want that to happen. So when Krejci's tenure comes to the end with this Bruins team, I would prefer you go out and look for another pure center. That's just me. We have enough kids that you can make into wingers in the system. You know what I mean? That's just me personally. Um, So Andrew Verana uh, at Andrew, uh, sorry, Travana. I don't know why. how do I say this? I don't Tar- know. He's a Tarana. new writer at Black no, and no, Gold, too. That was my head. Let me try this again. Andrew Taberna, at Andrew Taberna, asks us, do you think that the NHL Bruins prioritize getting a second-line winger? Do they use the money saved, if not, for signing Krug? Or do they trade somebody if they do? That's a good question. Um, yeah. If he, if he, if he leaves... That just frees up money right there to go get somebody else. Um, address the scoring first. I think the defense can be a patch, like a Band-Aid for the, the upcoming season. Address the scoring first. Because ultimately, scoring does win games at the end and of the... And that's what... Oh, sorry. 
Nope. That's what you're going to miss most about Tori Krug is what I was going to say is you have to address the scoring. Yeah. Specifically to the second line right winger, I'm going to go no because they never do. The second line right winger has been an issue for 10 damn years in this town. And I do agree with you, though. You have to look for some scores. You know what I mean? You ha- If it's not on the second line, you need to find someone who can help get the puck in the net or consistently put the puck in the net. Because if Tory Krug walks, that's a winger in itself or a, def- you know what I mean? Defenseman in itself. And I agree with you. I think we have enough. We could patch the defense. I think losing Chara and Krug would be a lot on the back end. Yeah. Uh, that'd put a lot of pressure on Grizz and McAvoy as the veterans on that yeah. back end to do oh, something. Absolutely. But Kyle at the low. same time, likelihood is you're signing one of them, if not the other. And the second line right wing, I'm willing to see what Kosh has got for her. Like, if we play a season, they showed good things as a line. Again, but that comes back to once you get to the trade, then, like, dump his ass back to depth. Right. I do think that David Krejci and Jacob, Jake, Jake DeBrusque seem to like playing with Kasha, though. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Like, for me in that series, Pasta was the problem, not Kasha. So everyone made it like Kasha got moved to the top line. I think Kasha got moved because he was at least trying and Pasta was struggling, so they put him down with Krejci, you know? I don't know. Maybe we should make an all-check line. I mean, you can't have two right wings, but, you know, maybe we can have a new left wing over there with Kasha. Um, speaking, of the, yeah. speaking of right wing, uh, Jack on the Blocks talks about Carson Coleman's good performance and his mm-hmm. trade value gone up. Would you consider moving him? I don't think he has significant trade. I don't know. That's. I don't think teams are like clamming to get to Don Sweeney's phone number to uh, inquire about Carson Kuhlman. I think. I don't know. My thing is at the same time, given what we have that we could use as assets to train, he's probably on the higher end of that because he does have playoff experience. He has played some up. Um, Again, he was on the big team until he got injured. You know what I mean? That kind of all went down weird. Um, I would be willing to trade anybody uh, besides very few people if there's going to be something big. Uh, But I don't think – I agree with you, Mark. I don't think he's such a significant trade thing. But, again, it depends on what you package, right? Right. You might give somebody a Carson Coleman just to take John Moore's salary kind of thing. You know, so one never knows – I think what people underestimate with trading is like, not only are you trying to get what you need, but you're also dealing with what the other team needs. Like they're looking for something, what they have a specific need for in return. And that's part of the problem with the trades we have done is we're not addressing our needs necessarily. We're only addressing the people, our trade partners needs. Okay. So um, let's see, let's go up there real quick. Cause it was just two more things. Okay. I think we have most of them. Uh, no, Clovis, Clovis asked, yeah, this is the last one I have, unless you see a different one. Go ahead. No, that's it. That's it. Clovis. Clovis, Roy, at Clovis, Roy, one, go. Uh, Who should the Bruins target as a winger for Krejci? I think it has to be a winger with some grit as well, a la Mark Stone type. I like it. I like his theory. I like that uh, you can get an offensive forward and one that can – Provide you that grit that you need, that sandpaper, that um, that Blake Coleman type of uh, forward, or uh, Pat Maroon, but you know, obviously with a, a hell of a lot more offensive numbers. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind seeing that, but it, it remains to see if it's gonna, actually going to happen because those guys cost. So it's good. it just brings it right back to salary cap hit for me. Uh, agreed. Again, I don't want nothing for something and things like that. Um, I think it's... Uh, I, I think that would be a good idea. I just don't think the management in the system is willing to do that. Just like they haven't been willing... Again, with the exception of Nick, uh, Nick, Rick Nash, they haven't been willing to swing for the fences to really pull off a big trade. So that's just me, you know. So I don't know if we can pull in someone of, I'm not saying obviously not, I know he doesn't mean actual Mark Stone, but a higher end. Right, right. That's how like that is all I mean. Right. All right. Um, I think we've wrapped up this Bruins season, yes? Yes. I think we both agree overall it was a great season. Lots of happy being a Bruins fan moment. Uh, obviously, the playoffs did not roll out or look like the way we thought they would. But at the same time, I refused to shit on my team because they played a hell of a season. They outplayed Tampa Bay. They outplayed everyone. They were the number one team in the league. Yeah? Yes. And uh, that actually is an upgrade from where they were the season before. Yep. And... Sure, I do think it would have been different. I'm not again. I'm not saying we would have won the cup. I think that it just would maybe would have rolled out a little different if it was the traditional playoffs. That's no excuses. Tampa Bay beat us, you know, just like we beat Carolina. Whatever. He is going. Um, I got to vote for Tampa Bay because I refuse to vote for the Islanders. Uh, they have good players, but they do bore me. I'm sorry, they just do. I know. Me, me and uh, Ryan Whitney. You know, like the- <laughs> um. So just a couple quick things just to mention as we're wrapping up. Um, I'd like to say congratulations to Matt Dumba, who tonight, uh, last night, was named the King Clancy Award winner for, um, you know, his work as a humanitarian off the ice. That's a big honor. Obviously, he's gotten a lot of news lately with the um, HDA and the Hockey Diversity Cup. Uh, I personally think it took a lot of balls for him to give that speech he gave when this playoffs opened up. I thought it took a lot of balls for the people around him to kneel with him. Now, that's not a political debate, this, that, how you feel. I was raised by a Vietnam vet. I, I know there are standards or whatever, but I think for a white, white league, those kind of things are way more powerful to me than them not playing on that Wednesday games. And uh, hopefully this is the beginning of the white ass NHL leading the way right. on change. And I know a lot, I know a few of them already. I think Tampa might be one and a few teams. I know the Jacobs are even, they're even being petitioned to, you know, like we said, do something meaningful. If you can get your stadium turned into a polling place to give social distancing and more people in, excellent, things like that. So Matt Duma, congratulations. He was the first award winner in this award season without all the three-hour award show. But um, I do think that just generally Matt Duma is showing himself to be a very well-put-together young man who has a lot of great leadership skills. And that going forward, I think will get him far, not just with the HDA, but just in his hockey career and his post-playing career. Who knows? Maybe he's 10 years away from being the director of Cultural Diversity Alliance. You know, we yeah. don't know. Okay. Uh, also, Mark Savard is stepped away from the Blues. He's not going to coach this year. He's going to be with his family. I'm all in on maybe not this year because he wants to be with his family, but maybe the next year. We yeah. We'll see what happens. Come home, Savvy. Come home. I'm just saying. All right. I mean, our power play doesn't need help now, but if we get rid of Krug and a few other these people in the next few years, we're going to need some help on that power play. Um, fours close. Yes, fours close. That sucks. That sucks. I really wanted to talk about that, but maybe we'll touch on it next week. 
Yeah, we will. But goodbye to Fours and all the great bars, Poor House, McGreevy's. There's been a lot of them. Yeah, that McGreevy's from the song, right? So uh, that's been sad, but another one bites the dust at the restaurant. It's a tough situation for everyone, but uh, definitely Boylston Street. Uh, Fours was not on Boylston Street, but Boylston Street's taken a specific hit, and sad Fours is awesome. Again, my favorite memory of Fours will always be when I started a fight with a whole entire room of Montreal Canadiens fans because I had a stomach ache and I was mad. Um, we did the Ask BNG, so I guess we're just wrapping it up. That's what we have for now. That's it. We've been over the two-hour mark, and we are going to call it a season. So episode 193 is in the books. So is season four. We are going to move on to season five starting next weekend. I want to thank everybody, all the listeners, our sponsors, our Patreon members. That's all been fantastic all, all year, and particularly this year with your constant donations. Even though we're going through a pandemic, um, it's a, just a dollar a day, a dollar per episode, and you can please go to Patreon.com/slash Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Help us out, recover some of our arc out of pocket costs. But um, uh, the listeners, the fans, friends, the family, everybody that's uh, helped us out by just a simple share or retweet, uh, we certainly appreciate the support. It, it does not go unnoticed. Please remember that. Um, but, Heather, thank you for another solid year uh, under the black and gold umbrella. I'm certainly having a great time with you doing Thanks these every me. week. And uh, we will get back at it next week. We're, we're not going to stop. We're going to keep going, going uh, 52 weeks a year, or try at least. And um, so, But be safe, be good, and uh, we'll have some off-season talk coming up next time on episode 194, brought to you by betonline.ag. Go to betonline.ag. Use code CLNS Media. And as for Mark Allred and Heather Ingerson, we bid you adieu. Take care, everybody. Bye. Thanks again for listening to and supporting Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please share the show with your friends and family, and don't forget to subscribe to and leave a five-star rating for the show on your favorite podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Between shows, help us keep the Bruins talk going by visiting our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, by sending an email to blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com, and by following the show on Twitter at blackandgoldpod. Peace out.